Struck him out swinging, breaking ball. I'm trying to go harder than I ever win. And Chapman comes in and dominates. That's a high drive Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, Rich Coriak's podcast, season five, premiere edition for season five. It has been a minute. It's the Rich Coriak's podcast with Rich and Dill. That means I'm Rich. He's Dill. Dylan, officer, how goes it? Uh, it's okay. It's all right. The, the eternal optimist. Uh, without getting into too many specifics, uh, Dylan's schedule has been kind of crazy because he's embarking in a new career. I'll let you read between the lines. But... um. We're here. We're back. We're season five. We're 116 episodes in. We're going to talk to you about everything in the world of Yankees. So, um, first of all, before we get to the basic show, Dylan, how was your off season? Busy, I know, but anything fun and exciting you want to share with the with the audience? Um, it was busy. Um, I enjoyed it. Uh, as you said, I got a new career starting, which is interesting. Uh, I might be getting a new car soon. So things are looking good. Things are very good. Very good. I am. Uh, my car kicked the can uh, about three weeks ago, so I'm in the market looking for a new car this weekend myself. Um, prices are ridiculous. Yes. But um, I'm using somebody else's car right now, which will not last more than another week or so. So I gotta bite the bullet and Time get something myself. Terrible. Terrible. Anyway, well, yeah, off season is off season. I got to say, the way the Yankees ended the season last year, it was an early, early exit, much earlier than I'm used to, as far as not caring about baseball or not watching baseball. So it has been a long time for me. Um, in between baseball stuff, I just recently dug my head out of the sand the last three weeks or so, started getting into it. Um, it's like when you get burned by like a, a bad relationship, and you just need to go through the breakup process. You need to just, I guess sit home and eat ice cream and sit in the dark and be depressed. And there's nothing I hate worse than watching other teams celebrate championships, especially teams that I think that we could have beat when you see like, you know, the Rangers and the Diamondbacks in the World Series. And I'm like, Jesus, I think we could have beat both of those teams easy. But um, it is what it is. It's a new season. It's spring. It's spring training. The Yankees are in camp. So let's get to it. Season five. Here we go. Your audio this week is going to be Aaron Boone's first press conference. Aaron Judge's down from Tampa, and Juan Soto's first meeting with the press down in Tampa as well. So that'll be your audio at the end of the show today. But I think we should start, obviously, with some roster news, and that is the most important thing as the Yankees are in camp right now. There are some injuries. Uh, Oswaldo Peraza has been hurt. He was scratched from a couple games this week. They said he's fine last night. He's ready to go. Uh, shouldn't be a problem. Jose Trevino has not played yet this year. Um, I saw him personally working out up in Tampa. He looks fine. He was hitting. He was taking BP. He was doing fielding drills. I would say that he's that's just precautionary. I think he'll be back. Uh, relief pitcher Lou Trevino, who was re-signed this year, coming back from Tommy John surgery. He's going to be out until the summer. Uh, the Martian Jason Domingo is also out for the summer, although they say he is progressing ahead of schedule. Um, expected to return in June or July. And Scott F. Ross also, also coming off TJ surgery back in the summer as well. So, Dylan, I think we should start real quick with a synopsis of who's here and who's not. 
We're going to talk about guys that are gone, guys that we lost, the important guys, and who we got in to replace them. But let's say uh, Severino, he's gone. Dylan, how do you feel about him going across to the Mets? Um, I feel like happy trails. I think his best seasons are past him. I don't know what else he's got left in the tank. Yeah, I, I agree. Um, he was getting pretty frustrating there at the end. But um, homegrown Yankee, so it's always hard to see one of those guys go who had success. And to go across to the Mets kind of hurts. So you always have in the back of your head, like, is he going to be successful over there and just rubbing it in our faces? And he was still throwing okay, but I agree with you. I'm okay with him going somewhere else. And if it's the Mets problem, hey. Uh, Michael King. So we lose Michael King in a Juan Soto deal. That one hurt. Um, obviously, yeah, he was the best piece of that trade. Um, I'll, well, before we get to Soto, do you do you think giving up Michael King was worth it for one year of Soto? Uh, I mean, I don't know. How long did he have on his contract, you know? That's a good question. I don't know. I, he was controllable still because it definitely wasn't five years yet. So let's just assume it was at least two years. But regardless, he would have been uh, he would have been us for a couple of years. But do you think it's worth it for a one year rental of Soto is the question? Uh, I think it's interesting. I don't know if it's worth it. Uh, if Juan Soto does resign, that would be cool, depending on how he does this season. Yeah. Um, but it always hurts losing Michael King. He's a right. solid bullpen guy. You got to give to get. And you're going to get do. one of the, the, the best hitters in baseball, even for a year. You're going to have to give up something. So um, I agree. It was a big loss, especially in an area where we are the weakest. I think we can all agree is pitching. So. Um, not that we're weak, but weakest if you had to rank them. Uh, IKF goes to Toronto. How do you feel about losing IKF? Uh, he was a good plug-in guy. Uh, he kind of peaked his last season, I think. Yes. Yeah. yeah. But I don't think it's a huge loss. He was a good guy. I'm kind of neutral about it. Yeah, I think um, I think we have his younger replacement in uh, Oswald Cabrera. I think he is an, a younger IKF, can play everywhere with the minus a catcher, but left yeah. field, everywhere in the infield. And I think, he, although I liked his spirit and I liked his fire and he seemed like a real nice guy, I think we have a younger version, so I'm okay with that. It looks like he's going to start every day. It just Chapman just signed with uh, the Giants. The Giants, yep. So it looks like IKF is going to be their opening day third baseman. So uh, Wandy Peralta is gone. What do you think about losing Wandy? Um... I know he's a fan favorite. Uh, I know he's a lefty, another lefty out of the pen. But again, kind of neutral. He wasn't amazing. He did his job though, so I don't yeah. know. Solid. He showed up every day for the most part. Looked like a workman, like grab your lunchbox and go to work. So yeah, will be missed. But I think we gained enough of those same type of players because I didn't know what Wandy Peralta before he got here. He kind of proved himself to me. The Yankees do a good job of bringing those little short term relievers. Yeah, yeah, and they seem to be successful. So um, we'll skip past a couple. We don't really need opinions on all these. But Weiser gone, Crook and Johnny Burrito, um, Higashioka. What do you think about Higashioka being part of that deal out to San Diego? Um, it was one or the other. Him or Trevino probably had to go. We can't have two catchers that are just defensive catchers. So, yeah, he he got the short end of the stick. So, indeed, I agree. Good guy from California. Good guy. So they good for him. And my boy, I only put him on here because he was my boy, Esteban Florio, now at Minnesota. <laughs> I saw him uh, the other day in a spring training game. Still looks like a player, man. He still looks like a stud. Physically, doesn't necessarily show it, but on the field, but. I'm upset that he didn't work out, man. A guy was at stud in AAA, just could never get past that hump. But 
Good riddance, I guess. All right, so here we go. <laughs> Happy trails. Yep, some guys we gained. Here we go. So Juan Soto, obviously the biggest big. addition. Big, big, big addition. Uh, your thoughts on bringing in Soto here for a year uh, to this um, team, to this lineup? I'd love to see what he will do. Even if he doesn't resign, it'll show that we need lefty hitters. Big oh, yeah. lefty hitters, because we have not had that for years. And now him and Rizzo, and then Judge in the middle. Oof. On paper, it looks phenomenal. And I will say he fills a couple big needs, which is he shows up every game. Guy exactly. played every game last year. Obviously, a bat in that stadium is amazing. You see what he's doing in the spring already. Uh, I watched him up at practice. He's a stud. He was hitting bombs in BP. He's having fun. He's smiling. He's everything on paper that you would think you would need. And like you said, putting him between, you know, Stanton, Rizzo, Judge, Tor. I mean, the lineup on paper and this spring so far looks really scary. Um, you know, my, my philosophy is I just don't want anybody hurt because that's getting hurt. every year, every year on paper, we look like the, the murderers role. We look like the 21 Yankees, but somebody always gets hurt, but sticking to Soto. Um, I'm a little worried about his defense because he is not a good defensive outfielder. Um, he does not have a good arm. Um, and you can see in spring already, he's made some mental errors. Uh, I'm sure everybody's going to give him shit about the ball that hit the wall and he kind of, you know, pumped it out of the box. You're going to get some of that stuff with him. That's just the way he is, the shuffle on balls and stuff. But overall, he is the absolute perfect guy for our lineup. If you had to pick and choose one guy in MLB, that's the guy you'd pick for this lineup. So I do not think he's re-signing. I think there's no way he's re-signing. Um, mm-hmm. I was trying to debate this with somebody the other day, and I'll ask you the same question. Do you think it's a better circumstance for him to re-sign if the Yankees win the World Series or if they don't? Um, the money is the money. That's tough. So you're saying if he gets the same amount? Yeah, let's forget the money because he's going to get a ridiculous. He's going to get sixty million a year, whatever he's going to get. But do you think the Yankees are more inclined to go after to re-sign him if they win the championship this year, or if they do not? Say Honest, yes, good- honestly, <laughs> right? With another year with Jason Dominguez developing. Mm-hmm. And you got Spencer Jones. Spencer Jones, yeah. Do they really need him? Probably not. I mean, if you're just looking, if you take the names out of the equation, if you just look at like player one, player two, player three, no, it doesn't make sense to sign him for more than one year because even though he's going to put up numbers, you're log jammed in the outfield coming up. Exactly. We're already now, log jammed. But, Verdugo. Well, Verdugo's a one-year no, no. two. I doubt he'd come back next year too. I, I, we're going to get to that later on in this game, but we have, I think there's something like 30% of our uh, 40 man roster on one year deals. Yeah. So we're, we're, there's going to be a lot of turnover next year. I would say that if they win the championship, believe it or not, they're less inclined to bring him back because it's been a minute since we won. They win, they get the get chip. them off their back. Yeah, yeah. It gets, gets the fans to relax a little bit now. And then when, listen, we saw this with Volpe last year. Whenever the Yankee fans don't get what they want, throw a homegrown young stud at them and it really distracts them. Yeah. You know what I mean? The only reason Volpe started in shortstop last year was, I believe, was PR. Let's bring this kid up. Let's give him a – I mean, he had a ton of at-bats, obviously, played every game. Um, the fans will get jacked about it. I could see the same thing next year with Dominguez being back halfway through the season and then bringing up Spencer Jones next year if we lose Soto, saying, look, you got you got Domingos, Jones, and Judge in the outfield. Are you kidding me? Like, it's a new baby bomber course. So I think we're on the same page. I agree. Um, Jones, Judge. Jones, Judge, and – well, Jones, Judge – I think it'll be Jones, Judge, and – what am I? Uh, Dominguez. Dominguez. All right. So Jason. here we go. Here's the. Uh, there you go, Jason. Judge Jason. There the you Jays. go. Jones already thinking about t-shirts. 
All right. So uh, here's the other interesting one. Marcus Stroman is now a New York Yankee, the guy who bashed us last year and bashed Cashman and said the Yankees shouldn't win and they've been disappointing with their payroll. <laughs> what do you think about bringing Stroman in? What do you that think? was the craziest sign because the week before it happened, he said he wanted to be a Yankee, but they were like, they were saying like, no. He'll never be a Yankee. And then all of a sudden, I get a notification on my phone that he signed. So, I don't know. I'm kind of neutral about it. Marcus Stroman's hit or miss. He's either really good or he's just <laughs> off. Um, I don't know how he'll deal with the fans if he has one of those games. Uh, he seems kind of like an emotional guy. He's right? a New York. He's a New York kid, Long Island kid. I think he wanted to be a Yankee. I think that's legitimate. I think he was booty hurt. He was like, yeah. that, I'm, I'm literally saying I want to be a Yankee and you fucking guys won't sign me. So he got his feelings hurt. So he's a Yankee now. He has said all the right things in camp, which leads you to believe either he's a really good bullshit artist or he really means it because, you know, less than a month ago he was talking shit about us and then he gets in camp and Cashman's my guy and, and Judge and everybody's great. <laughs> and I love Garrett Cole. Garrett Cole's a amazing. Turnaround. So we'll see. Like you said, um, look, he's a number three. You know, maybe possibly a number four on some teams, but on our team, he's going to be a number three starter. Um, so we'll see if the guy can go out there every day, keep the ERA under three. That would be amazing for me. Low threes under just under four. If the guy could eat up some innings, I'll take it. We need starting pitching. So we're going to get to more of that in a minute. So the Yankees also bring back. We'll speed past some of these. Luke Weaver, Caleb Ferguson, Cody Morris and uh, Victor Gonzalez. Lou Trevino re-signed, obviously, and Verdugo. What about Verdugo? What do you think about that? Lou Trevino's golf. Trevino, I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah, you know who I'm talking about. So, Trevino, who will be back? He's on the IL. He'll be back in the relief pitcher. He'll be back uh, in the summer. What do you think about Verdugo? Very um, under the radar signing. It was under the radar. Another lefty mm-hmm. bat. He's a bit of a, a weirdo, though. Like with all the, all his stuff, he's got his chains and his grill. Yeah, kind of a thug type of guy. It looks kind like of a that's thug. yeah. That's the impression he's I get. He's a from Red Sox, but. Who knows? It could work out. It could work we've, out. we've done it before with Boggs and Damon, and we brought in Red Sox before that have worked out. Apparently, the rumor going around is that they wanted him for years, and Judge wanted him for years. The guy, look, the guy's a get get a uniform dirty kind of guy, which I like. I think you need a few of those players. And listen, guy starts a fight or two. I'm okay with that too. It gives you that edge. <laughs> I, th- I think you need some of that on a team. You need one of those enforcers, or like a bully, or kind of like a hoodlum on the team. I there, think you there's, need it. There's a guy on the Rangers now that's just there to fight, and I love it. That's I listen, everybody needs a goon. Isn't that what it is in hockey? A goon. You need a goon. Yeah. So I think it'll be okay. Look, the guy, um, I don't know where he's gonna bat, and we'll talk about the lineup a little bit as we go forward here in these next couple episodes. But um listen, until Dominguez gets back, I think it's it's plus. You also yeah. picked up I didn't put it on here, but you also pick up Grisham yeah. for the outfield, which is an underrated signing. With that mustache. Great defensive outfielder. Hasn't really hit, um, but I could definitely see he him be the guy that you pull Juan Soto out for um, in late innings for defense. Defensive replacement. Yeah, yeah. Slide, slide Judge over to right, put Grisham in center and Verdugo in left. Um, plus, you got a little bit of speed. I think he'd be your guy off the bench along with Cabrera. But we'll talk about more of that. So that's the big additions and subtractions this year. Um, everybody wanted, you know, Snell, which I don't know why. I understand he's <laughs> – I understand, listen, I understand he's a great – first of all, we'll talk about it, them not getting signed in a minute, but – they tried for other starting pitchers. You know they did. You know they kicked the tires on Cease and these other guys for trades and stuff, but apparently everybody wanted Jones, and they don't want to give up Jones, which I agree. They wanted Dominguez. Oh, yeah, keep that. 
They wanted Dominguez last year, and we wouldn't give him up. So I agree with them keeping some of their guys. And listen, on paper right now, it's a very good rotation. Now, our problem is there's no depth. There's no If one guy gets hurt, we're fucked. Clark Schmidt, Clark Schmidt moves from your five to your four. Now he now you're counting on him to be a big stud. And he might be good. He was good last year. But, I mean, Rodon, again, it's springtime, and you've seen a little bit. But he looks okay. He's throwing harder. you got to assume he's going to come back to form. So Cole, Rodon, and um, Stroman. That's a decent – Okay, hold on. I'm going to get to that. But that's your that's your starting three. So you feel pretty good about those three if they can perform the way they should. Nestor coming back off his injury, I don't know what that's going to be. He looked good in his start the other day, but I we talked about this last year. I love Nestor. He's a great story. I feel we it's kind of like um, who did you say hit their potential? Severino. I yeah. think we I think we got the best out of Nestor a year and a half ago in his All Star year. I think that was that was. I also think about the catching partner who who. Um, Made the All Star team with him that year. Let's oh come on, help me out. Who's our catcher? Austin Wells and Trevino. I think yeah. we hit. I think we hit his offensive potential that year too. Now that's fine. That's not saying they can't be serviceable. And Nestor throws enough junk out there and, and deception that he could be a successful four or five starter. So I'm okay with that. And I think like Trevino will be a great defensive catcher and he calls a great game. So I'm okay with both of those things. But as far as counting on them in a big playoff series, I mean, you put. You feel confident putting Nestor Cortez in a, in a clinching game six playoff series? Probably not. No. So, uh, Clark Schmidt, I, I feel better about Clark Schmidt than I do Nestor coming off really? of his performance last year. Yeah, I think he'll be a better starter. I think uh, he, the the experience last year, I, I'd probably put Nestor as my five. I know they won't. They might even put Nestor at the three spot and put Stroman at four to start the season, but I guess that doesn't really matter. But we'll see. The, the question is, and the biggest thing that I'm worried about and that all Yankee fans should be worried about is, who's your seventh, eighth, ninth, and tenth starter, which you know you're going to need this year. You gave most of those guys away this year in trades mm-hmm. to San yeah, Diego. You got Luke Weaver, who would probably be your first guy. Uh, you got Louis, Luis Hills coming back off his injury, so he he'll be back. Uh, you, you saw flashes with him. It looks like they're just going to mix and match and see stretch a bunch of guys out and see what they can do. But uh, we we don't have that guy. We don't have that young stud. Will Warren. We've got a couple young kids, but not much. So, speaking of that, uh, Spencer Jones and Will Warren were invited to camp this year. Um, Dylan, I don't know how much of spring you've seen this year, but uh, Warren looks okay. Jones, you know, I'm sure you saw the clip hit one, you know, to the moon. Uh, he looks like a, a, a lanky version of Judge. Um, so we'll see. I mean, those are really the only two big studs that have been showing anything that's super impressive. But um, camp's been good this year only because, to me, it's been quiet. So the one little tiny injury to um, Pereira, which seems like he's over. I'm Peraza, I'm sorry. Sounds like he's over it. But for the most part, as long as they stay healthy, I'm okay with it. So I do want to add something. Yeah. So with all these additions on the farm, not mm-hmm. that there's a lot, but they're putting money into the Renegade Stadium. They just renovated it. I saw some pictures of it. Yeah. Yeah, it looks pretty good. Yeah. Yeah, I'm interested to see. I mean, uh, having the uh, the MLB package, I watched a lot of minor league games last year because they actually incorporated the – and they're incorporating the app this year, the MILB app and the MLB app together. So it'll be easier to see your games. And I watched a lot of games. And the the, the notes that I do have from me, yeah, the Renegade Stadium needed it. Uh, it looks very yeah. old and weathered. But uh, they need to upgrade the production quality of some of these games if they're going to be broadcasting. It's literally it looks like it's being a shot. A camcorder. 
Oh, it's bad. It's bad. I mean, my God, you would think you'd be able to put like an iPhone on a on a clip somewhere Tripod. in the outfield <laughs> and get a better view of some of these games. It's really bad. Um, but I mean, listen, that's the experience. I guess it's minor league baseball. It is what it is. So anyway. All right. So that's the roster changes this year. Um, before we take a break, let's see what we can cover here. Really. Quick. nine minutes we got nine minutes before we take a break let's cover um all right here we go final year of their deal dylan canely soto torres verdugo holmes johnny lasagna and caleb ferguson all on their final years of their deal there's more than that but those are the headline names um tommy canely now the veteran in the bullpen the old man in the bullpen now yeah um so i mean ah, whatever it is what it is you don't resign him it's fine there's a million of those guys out there juan soto Glaber Torres and Verdugo. Um, let's talk about those guys. Final year to deal. We kind of covered Soto. Let's talk about Torres real quick. Do the Yankees bring back Glaber Torres or do they go with one of the young kids that they have on the infield, which they have a ton? On paper, we don't need Torres, but he's said it countless times. He wants to be a Yankee forever. He's fucking begging to be a Yankee yeah. <laughs> every time you talk to him. No, yeah. no, no talks of extensions at all. I, oh I feel God. bad for him. Yeah, I do too. He's like, I, I want to stay here my whole life. Please, somebody call me. <laughs> yeah, I, I think Torres gets traded uh, before the All-Star break for an arm if somebody gets hurt. Um, I still think Miami wants him, obviously, um, but I could see him getting moved to somebody who needs that bat. Uh, in the lineup because he's not, I mean, he's serviceable defensively. He's fine, but we've got a ton of kids on the infield that could take that spot. You know, one of the, one of the, um, well, we'll talk about that in a minute because I want to talk about who do you think makes the team on the bench, but Verdugo, we talked a little bit about too. I think he's a hired gun for a year too. Like you said, we have a ton of outfield depth, so I don't think they have, I mean, obviously you're not bringing Verdugo and Soto back next year. You would want to bring Soto back, obviously, if you could get him at your price, but, um, if Soto goes, if Soto goes away, I don't even think they're talking to Verdugo. So, um, like we said, we talked about the outfield, a perfect world next year, opening day. It's it's Jones, Dominguez, and Judge in the outfield. So, um, Clay Holmes. Um, I've never been super hot on Clay Holmes as a closer. Yeah. I just haven't. He's hit or miss to me. Um, I he's one of those guys that the Yankees seem to love, though. I could see them re-signing him. But uh, Johnny Lasagna. Now I know he's been up and down production wise. I still like his arm and I like his flexibility. I like his him. Name. You gotta love Johnny Lasagna. But I think he's a a potential guy that could close too. I think if they made the commitment and said, "Listen, we just want you to throw one inning," he could be serviceable as a closer. But uh, we, I, I don't like Clay Holmes as a closer. I'm sorry. Yeah. I don't. I, I don't like. I don't. To he's me, not a closer. No, he he's a seventh eighth inning guy. He's a setup guy. Yeah, he's a, he's a ground ball machine. I get all of that. You know, we don't we don't have that guy in the roster right now. Unless one of these new guys, I don't know enough about these relievers that we brought in. You know, the Victor Gonzalez's, the Cody Morris's, these guys, the Ferguson's, the guys that we brought in. So we'll see. I think the Yankees are going to let that shake out, but um, it's going to be a very different team next year. I let me take that back. It's not going to be a very different team next year because a lot of these guys that we have are locked into big contracts. You know, Austin Wells is going to be your catcher next year. Rizzo's going to they're going to pick up his option. He's going to be your first baseman. Second baseman will probably be one of the kids. It'll probably be one of the Oswalds. Uh, it'll be Volpe. It'll be DJ third. It'll be judging either right or center. It'll be Dominguez out there, and it'll be a left fielder. So we're back to the same thing that we've been for the last couple of years is who's going to be the left fielder next year, I would say, would be the only question mark that we have. Always left field. Yeah, left field and second base are going to be the only thing that we have, you know, up in the air and guess, God forbid, something happens. But um, so the team's pretty set. I mean, uh, no injuries. Knock, I'm going to knock them with hard because, uh, and I got to say, and we'll get a little bit 
more into this after the break because I did do my annual pilgrimage up to Tampa and spent the day there, which, again, I'm not going to toot this horn again, but the greatest experience you can have as a Yankee fan if you want to get up close and personal with these guys and actually get FaceTime with players is to go to one of these practices. I don't know why they don't really advertise it. I don't know why it's not a bigger thing. I ran my mouth to a bunch of people down here, and actually a bunch of people down here ended up going up this year. And have been raving to me about it. They're like, how come I didn't know about this? And I'm like, maybe I should stop. It's a secret. Yeah, maybe I should stop telling people, to be honest with you, because I think I'm ruining it. All right, we're going to take a quick break. We're going to come back. I'll tell you about my trip up into Tampa. We've got trivia. Uh, We got our normal features in the show. We got this date in baseball history. We got lots of stuff still to cover. We'll be right back in one second. So hang with us. All right, guys, thanks for coming back to the show. Just so you guys know, a little peek behind the curtain. We use Zoom to record the um, the pod before we uh, edit it and all that good stuff. So we're on the we're on the 40-minute uh, plan, which is why we take a break there. There are no ads this year. We're not going to put ads back in the show. Um, most of last year, we didn't have any ads in there either. It's just not financially worth it like to, to aggravate you guys for a 30-second or 60-second ad for what they're reimbursing us for so we're literally doing this for the love of the game and because we like talking to you guys and we like hearing from you guys and it gives us a chance to vent a little bit so if something changes like that with the show we'll let you know um down the road there might be some changes to the schedule because dylan does have a new career he's very busy so the episodes might be a little spread out this year as far as not weekly maybe they're every other week or every third whatever we can get him on there. There might be a few additions that I have to do solo. Solo. Um, hopefully not too many of those, but if we have to, we have to. If something big happens or breaking news. But uh, Dylan is still going to be with the show. Just, you know, he's very busy. So we got we got real things we got to do. We got real bills we got to pay. So uh, as much as we love to do the show, uh, yeah, it's not paying the bills. So anyway. All right. So this date in baseball history, 1966, Dylan. I know you were you were sitting by your radio listening to the to the call of Red Barber. Sandy Koufax and Don Drysdale began a joint holdout from the Dodgers. They seek an unprecedented, three unprecedented at the time, three-year, $1.5 million contract to be be divided evenly. So they wanted a million dollars divided between the two of them for three years divided evenly, and they held out for that. Boy, how times have changed. I got to say, off the topic of the Yankees before we get to some other stuff real quick, I watched a good documentary on uh, Otani on Disney+. Plus. Really? Uh, it's, yeah, it's about an hour and a half long. It's all about him. And um, I didn't really know too much about him outside the obviously baseball stuff, but this goes into his whole life and what kind of person he is and how he came up and this 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 chart that he made, this dream chart of what he wanted to do and his goals. And uh, CeCe's in it. Hideki Matsui's in it. Um, Pedro Martinez is in it, and they're all talking about him. Very interesting. It came recommended from somebody else for me, so if you guys get a chance to check it out, it's definitely worth the watch. It is in Japanese, obviously, for the most part, with subtitles and translators, but, you know, obviously, you get CC, he talks English. Uh, Pedro kind of talks English, but... Um, he does very, his best. Very, yeah, yeah. Very, 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 very insightful, and you can see, I appreciate him a little bit more. He's got a very deep love and passion for the game, and I love, I've always loved the Japanese passion for the game. They, they legit treat baseball like it's a way of life. And um, his, they talk to his coaches from Japan, and uh, some of the stuff they say is unbelievable. Like, you know, the term baseball gods, we kicked that around here in the United States. Like, oh, this baseball, baseball gods punishing you. No, they legit believe there's baseball gods, like legit gods over there. And uh, Otani is just, he's a very interesting case. And if you hear CC talking to him, talking about how, uh, how difficult it must have been and some of the decisions that he made. 
Um, well, let's, so we didn't talk about that contract issue. What do you think about that contract, Dylan? He the gets, contract what, is crazy. Seven hundred million prorated. That really doesn't kick in until after he's done playing for the Dodgers. Bobby Bonilla contract. Oof. What did we predict? I think we both predicted it was going to be six hundred, maybe. Yeah. So and then blew he, us out of so the he gets seven hundred million. All right, I'll ask you this on the spot. You're the GM of the Yankees. Do you give him seven hundred million dollars? No, not at all. I mean, that is just I can't even think of what I would do with that kind of money. It's it, the it's money like, is it's it's, it's silly. It's you a can't waste. spend the money. But I mean he before he signed this contract, he had money that he couldn't spend. Yeah. yeah so I will say this everyone's given him a lot of credit for prorating it. He still gets endorsement deals. He still gets he's still getting his he's still living off his hundreds of millions from the first contract. He's fine. So he's going to get his money. Now, Bobby Bonilla is a little bit different. Bobby Bonilla, I think he gets a million a year or something like that. Yeah. That's different than $700 million. That's a different deal. Um, and it's smart because he was they were able to go out and sign Yamamoto, who we haven't actually covered yet. We'll talk about that in a minute. But um, the guy loves baseball. And the guy, if you watch his documentary, you can see, I could see him going to the Dodgers and saying, listen, I'm going to get my money. That's great. But let's figure out a way that we can still sign some of these other guys because I want to win. And the yeah. guy legit, he wants to win. Um, baseball's got to do something because that's that's like a loophole. Like you, you can't no, for sure to avoid yeah, tax. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You that's ridiculous the way they did that. They just basically said, ah, "Yeah, yeah, no, you're going to make that money at the end of the year." And listen, seven hundred million dollars ten years from now might seem like a bargain for a guy who does With that. inflation and stuff. Yeah, I agree with you though. Everyone was, I got guys busting my chops down here. Oh, you guys didn't get Otani. I said, I don't want any part of Otani. As much as I appreciate him as a player, I do not want any part of that. I don't want a guy who's my number one player who, if gets hurt, I lose my best starting pitcher and my best offensive player at the same time. No, I'm good. Thank you. I'll pass on that. And I think push comes to shove because he said that he ended up choosing the Angels in this documentary because he knew they weren't going to push back on him being a two-way player. He said he knew the other teams that if he signed to that big contract, we're going to pressure him to do one or the other. And he yeah. wanted to do both. I don't want no part of that. If I'm if I'm a team paying him $700 million, first of all, I'm not. I'm going to say, look, we'll give you $500 million, but you're going to be a starter or you're going to be an outfielder, whatever it's going to be. You're not doing both. I'm sorry. Or make him a closer. I never understood why somebody doesn't make him a closer. This way he could play every day and it's only one inning. He's going to continue to get hurt. There's just no way at the major league level you could do both. Like when 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 Babe Ruth was – Babe Ruth, they stopped him from doing it. And he was a big, fat, pudgy bastard. Like, And it was a different game back then. Yeah, completely different game. The, the amount of pressure that he's putting on himself with no rest or recovery, essentially. You know, most starting pitchers, after they're, they're – they get four days to just, you know, eat, ramp back up to it. This dude yeah. grabs grabs a bat and gets back out there. Nah, I'm not doing it. What do you think about the Yanks missing out on Yamamoto? It looks like they gave him a good offer. Um, it was close. It was between us and the uh, Dodgers, but I guess Otani uh, had it all worked out. He wanted to go play with his buddy. Yeah, I mean, like, if you look at it like that, mm-hmm. why would he go to the Yankees? It's far away. It's cold. Yep. You know, yep. it's just we don't have a lot to offer compared to the Dodgers. It's funny, and I listened to Cashman um, talk on a couple interviews this year, and he went through, he talked about the process. He, he said, listen, we went out to L.A. to meet him. 
uh, went out to Boone and he said, he looked over at Boone and said, this is what we're competing with. He said, we were at a like beautiful hotel on a rooftop. It was fucking 73 degrees and sunny in the middle of winter. And the meeting that they had back in New York, it was cold and rainy and 30 degrees. He was like, yeah. I mean, we can't compete with that. So the money, I mean, it was only a $20 million difference in money. I guess let's talk about money real quick. I know I'm jumping all over the place, but the Yankees are over the highest threshold for luxury tax. Um, and you guys know my philosophy is the Yankees have plenty of money, but you also can't be ridiculous and be stupid. It is a business. Every dollar they spend essentially this year from now on for the rest of this offseason will be doubled. So we talked about Blake Snell. Um, if, if you pay Blake, Blake Snell $30 million, it's really paying him $60 million because of the luxury tax. So that's why I said I'm okay with not signing anybody, to be honest with you, unless you're going to get one of these like veteran guys that can come in on like a $6 million deal or something like that. I'm okay with them not signing another big stud pitcher unless somebody gets hurt um, because they've got to reset the – I mean, that's ridiculous. You're going to pay Blake Smell $60 million? That's crazy. Let's talk about it now. Let's talk about the Boris clients, Dylan. The guys are still out there. Uh, Snell – who is it? Martinez and uh, Montgomery, right? The big ones yep. that are still out there, still with no contracts. Um, why do you think these guys haven't been signed? That was that was it was a crazy offseason for that because I mean Bellinger just signed after spring training started Chapman and got signed. and got and got a much less deal than you would think he would get. Yeah, he got a very team friendly deal. Go ahead. I'm sorry, I interrupted you. But that that's like the first season I've ever seen. Like they don't break yeah. camp with a team. Like that's crazy to me. Usually yeah. it's like maybe one top guy, but not that many. Snell's coming off a of Cy Young, and he doesn't have yeah. a job. He doesn't have a job. Like, he has no job right now. And the thing with a starting pitcher, which is awful, is because every day he misses in camp now is a day he doesn't start with the big team. You're you're ramping yeah. it backwards. So what are we? We're going into the third week of spring training now. He's three weeks behind. So if you sign Snell for Monday morning, he's three weeks. He's not He's not going north with the club. So, you know, the second he picks up a ball, it's six weeks until he's ready. Essentially, you need six weeks to ramp up a starting pitcher. I mean, I guess you could rush it and put him on a low, lower pitch count or something. But I don't know. I'm surprised if I'm, you know, one of these guys. I don't go to my agent like, dude, I got to be in a camp by opening day. I want a lot of money. I want to play for a good team, but I got I got to be in a camp. Like I got to start building it. You know what I mean? Maybe that's yeah, overrated. But Maybe the, the agent wants good money, too, for commission and stuff. His his money too, you know. So if you look at the deal that um, Bellinger took with the Cubs, it's like a three year deal for eighty million, but there's opt outs after year two and year three, so it's essentially a one year deal if they want it to be. Yeah. The the Cubs got exactly what they wanted, which I'm okay with Bellinger because of his history. I don't think I'd give him a big deal. Listen, let's be honest. Snell's a good pitcher. Let's go back five years. He wins the Cy Young, has two shitty years, and wins the Cy Young. So what what are you getting there? Plus the guy the, only pitch, the guy pitches five innings a game. Yeah, he averages just over five innings a game. So every start he makes, you're using four innings out of the bullpen. So you got to keep that stuff in mind. I'm not giving a guy thirty million dollars who pitches five innings. I'm sorry, Garrett Cole goes out there and he's he's capable of giving you seven eight innings every time. He's a horse. Rodon, knock on wood, traditionally has been that same kind of guy. Uh, you're going to beat the piss out of your bullpen. Now, listen, everyone keeps talking about the Yankees had the best bullpen ERA-wise in baseball last year. They did, but we used them a lot. And you could tell towards the end of the year that took its toll on us. So I don't know, man. I, I, I'm i I'm kind of tired, and maybe I sound like the old guy yelling on the lawn. I think you got to start building these starters back up to pitch seven innings. Like, this five-inning bullshit is ridiculous. It just doesn't seem like good baseball. 
like you're burning through these relievers. Like you can't tell me that you can't make as an organization the decision like, look, our starters are pitching 110 pitches a game, period. That's it. We're going to build them up. I don't know. Anyway, but uh, yeah, I'm surprised. Uh, would you take a run at Montgomery if he's still available? Uh, I would throw out a deal. Why not? Yeah. A one yeah. year. It's, fun- it's funny. He must not be interested because you haven't even heard about an offer that the nope. Yankees have made. You would think about an ex-Yankee who, when we when he left, I said it. I said it on this show. I'm very leery about giving up a younger pitcher like that who eats up a ton of innings. But, I mean, let's be honest. He's a three-starter. He's not a one or a two. No. But if you could get him in at $20 million a year, $23 million a year for six years, something like that, it might be worth it. For us, it might fit in perfectly to where we are. You put Schmidt back in the bullpen. Um, you know, you never know. But, uh, yeah, it's weird. They haven't even seen an offer. Now, I guess apparently the rumor is that the Yankees have met with Snell again over the last couple of days or his agent and talked to him also. I, I, I'm at this point. I'm like, leave it alone. Let it go. Somebody will shake loose during the trade deadline if we still need yeah. an arm. Let it go. I'm okay with Luke Weaver if we get injured coming up and doing that fifth start. I mean, we got enough offense that we should be okay. Um, you know, you only need three starters in the playoffs anyway, but I don't know. It is interesting that Boris, these Boris guys are struggling out there in the market. I wonder if that readjusts things going forward with his clients. But I think it's weird that, the, that there's no – I've said it a million times, and I've said it on this show, baseball needs a luxury tax. I mean, a legit cap. You need a minimum cap, and you need a maximum, a maximum. cap. Yeah, you yeah. have to. You have to. You have to stop this bullshit with the A's, and you have to stop this bullshit with the Dodgers. So you need a little bit of both. So I, I just I feel that it's absolutely necessary, and baseball has to get their shit together. I don't know how it's going to happen, but it is what it is. Sorry, my dog's barking. I just want to go back to New York weather. Uh, yesterday, it was 32 degrees. And very windy. Yeah. And and it was miserable. And then it says tomorrow it's going to be 63. It's, so, the end, it's the end of the world, bro. It's the end I don't of the know world. What's going clearly, on. It's clearly the end of the world. I mean, I don't understand what your problem is. Like, like there's, there's always a puddle at the end of my street, right? And I always love at night. I just go right through it, splash everything, right? Yesterday it was ice. I love that there's a there's a perpetual puddle at the end of the street, and you never know what's going to be in it. Is it going to be right ice? By the baseball sleet? Field. Is it going to be a mudslide? What's it going to be? So that's crazy. That's crazy. Once I, I get know. that new car, though, definitely be going through that puddle. Oh Jesus! All right. Well, listen, Yankee game. Uh, we're recording this on what is it? Saturday. Saturday. Yanks yep. getting getting ready to play the Orioles here. Before seven we get and in, one Orioles. Before, yeah, I'm not worried. About it. I I could not even tell you what our record is. I I love spring training because I don't care about the scores of the game, so I can do what I'm doing throughout the course of the day, and then come home and say, all right, well, I can watch a Yankee game. So. And I don't care what happens in you know the game, the score, anything like that. About I did get start, actually. Yes, it is. I got scared last night because uh, Garrett Cole got pulled out in the bottom of the first inning because he had thrown too many pitches, and I wasn't sure why they pulled him out. Turns out they just brought him back that next inning to start fresh. But uh, scared the shit out of me last night. But all right, guys. So let's get to. Um, the trivia portion of the game. You know how this works last year. We asked Dylan a series of multiple choice questions, baseball related, and we tracked his progress all year. He did very well. I think we ended up, what were you like, 12 and 6 or something last year, Dylan? You, like you, did, you did really About good. About five, like over. Uh, Way over five, a couple games over yeah. 500. All right, so I made a couple tweaks to this year's 
This year, the questions are going to be all Yankee related. So we'll see how that goes. And if we need to change it, we'll change it. So the way it works, folks, is we ask Dylan a question. He gets four multiple choice. What is it? Answers? Four guesses he can answer. And we're going to ask him uh, five questions. And we're going to see how he does. Three wins him the week. Anything less than three, he loses the week. Pretty simple. If you listen to the show, you know how we do it. So Dylan, are you ready? I'm ready. All right, let's see. Maybe we'll start you off with a softball to start out season five. Here we go. What was Reggie Jackson's uniform number with the Yankees? Was it 45, 44, 9, or 40? Reggie Jackson's uniform number. It was the good old 4-4. 44, very easy, of course. Mr. October, number 44. Reggie Barr. Dylan gets it one. Did you ever have a Reggie Barr? I never did. They re-released it recently, I heard. Yeah. But all right, here we go. Let's see. All right, here we go. Here's 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 a tricky one for you. Uh who was the nineteen ninety-nine World Series MVP? Ooh. That year it was the Yankees and the Braves. The Yankees and the Braves. Who was the World Series MVP? Was it David Justice? Was it Scott Brocious? Was it Derek Jeter? Or was it Mariano? Rivera, the greatest closer in the history of baseball. Uh, so this is before my time. Yes. This is a, a year. Exactly okay. a year before okay. my time. Um, and I have no idea. So, so you're going to make a guess? We got Justice, Brocious, Jeter, or Mo? Uh, I'm going to go with Jeter because how could you not? Mariano Rivera was the correct answer, sir. Right. Mo. That was my number two. That was my number two. I liked David Justice when he was with us this year. He was fun. I liked him in the show. He was good in the show. I had him <laughs> one year. That's coming out soon. What's the date on that? This month? In a couple weeks? Honestly, I don't even know if I'm going to get it. Oh, how dare you get it. You'll get I it. Because I got the Derek Jeter version last year. I didn't you, play it that you, much. You'll get it. You'll get I it. I know. I'll get it. I'll get it. I say that every year. And every year I end up getting fucking mad into All right. Here we go. So one <laughs> for one, though. And here we go. Um, Let's see. Let me give you a... Let's see. All right, how about this? Who did the Yankees lose the wild card game to in 2021? Who did they use to lose the wild card game to? Was it the Boston Red Sox, the Detroit Tigers, the Baltimore Orioles, or the Tampa Bay Devil Rays? Who did they lose the wild card game to in 2021? Pretty 2021. recent. Pretty recent. Was was that the COVID season? Was it 2020 or 2021? I thought 2020 was the COVID season. I thought 2020 was the COVID season. Hold on a second. I need to kick my dog. Hey, get out of here. Chewing on a bone during my show. (laughs) How dare he? How dare he? So Um, 2021 wild card. We lost the wild card game to the Red Sox, the Tigers, the Orioles, or the Rays. Dylan, it was two years ago. Come on. I want to say the Red Sox. It was the Red Sox, though, and the Red yeah. Sox, as we call them there. So, yes, good man. So, two right, one wrong. Here we go. Let's see. Yeah, if it was the COVID season, it would have made sense. It wouldn't have made sense because we That's lost right. the Rays in the CS. Yes, we did. All right, here we go. What's the only Yankee uniform number to be retired twice, though? It was retired twice. Ooh. Now, technically, I want to say this question might is a little wrong because – Technically, there is another Yankee number that is retired twice, and that is Mariano Rivera and Jackie Robinson. They, but that's not for two but Yankees. But that's not for two Yankees. So here we go. The only Yankee number retired twice. Was it number three, number eight, number 10, or number 12? It's it's Yogi. 
Okay. Just like do, your dog. Do you remember the other person? I always forget the second person. I always forget the second to. person. Too. Bill, Bill Dickey. Bill Dickey is number Bill two. Bill Dickey, yeah. So Dylan has won the first week. He's three and one. We're going to give him the other question anyway. But uh, nice job, Dylan. Start off hot. Start. He's coming in hot. So let's see if I can. I'll give you a hard one because we like to give you a hard yeah, one since you're already well. won the week. Yeah, so let's see. Here we go. What Yankee pitcher gave up the famous pine tar home run to George Brett? Do you remember that clip? Oh, I oh, do remember the clip. I don't remember running the out of the dugout. All right, well, this is going to be a, a guess then. Ron Guidry, Rich Goose Gossage, Dave Rigetti, or George Frazier? Who gave up the actual home run? The clip we're talking about, guys, if you haven't seen it, you're not really a Yankee fan. How dare you? But it's, it's a classic. It's, it's, it's Billy Martin coming out of the dugout after a home run in Yankee Stadium. And uh, claiming that George Brett's bat had too much pine tar on it, the umpires actually took it and measured it on home plate for some reason, and then called <laughs> him that's out. The rule. That's yeah, the rule. yeah, and then called him out. Thus, him storming out of the bullpen, charging like a bull. Um, they actually did overturn that game, and they restarted the game. I think it was like a week later. And we ended up still losing the game. And actually, <laughs> another funny story about the game, Billy Martin was so upset that he lost the appeal that he did something ridiculous. Like he put Ron Guidry in the outfield. Uh, he put all of the players in at a position. Like wow. he put, yeah, he put like a catcher at second base just to show that he wasn't taking it serious. So, all right. So your your guesses are Ron Guidry, Rich Gossage, Dave Rigetti, or George Frazier, who gave up the home run? I'm going to say... I know it's a famous moment, but because I don't remember the picture, mm -hmm. and I've seen like documentaries where people talk about it, mm -hmm. I'm gonna say George Frazier. George Frazier, good guess. It was Rich Goose Gossage. Really, the goose was the guy the that gave up the, the home goose run. Is the, loose. the goose. So Dylan gets a win. He is one and zero this year. Uh, nice job by you, sir. Another popular segment that we have, and I don't even know if Dylan has this because he's been so busy, but I'm sure he can think of one oh, off the no, top I of do. his head. <laughs> is what's bothering Dylan this this week? So Dylan, take it away, sir. What's bothering you this week? All right, or, the, so or this off season, you could you could do a yeah, combined yeah, yeah. one. Yeah, it's definitely not from this week. Okay. Um, but as you know, I went to the the Stadium Series hockey game at yes. MetLife. Yes. Uh, it was cool. It was it was a good experience. It was a little cold. We sat all the way up top. Um, but all game the Rangers were losing. They scored in like the first minute. Within the first minute, there was a fight. Within the first minute, it was awesome. But then they <laughs> they they were, they were losing. Like at the start of the third period, I think the Islanders scored again, and it was five to three. And if you're down by two goals in hockey in a third period, it's usually not a good thing. Right. Don't you usually pull the goalie? And... Yeah. So I waited. Uh, and I, I I took a ride with someone like to get there. Right. I didn't drive myself. Mm -hmm. And this person never saw a hockey game before. Oh, wow. And, you know, they weren't really into it. Yeah. Um, so he was like, can we leave like with 10 minutes left? And I was like, I guess. Yeah. Oh, and he came back. Yeah, so we were walking oh, out of the stadium, walking down the ramp. I heard the Rangers score. So then it was five to four. And then as we got in the car and started driving, they scored again and tied it. And then it went into overtime. And I think they won in like 30 seconds in overtime. Dylan, 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 how dare you? I hate leaving games early. I hate it. Oh, dude. All because people want to leave and beat traffic. Dude, it is the worst uh, thing you can do as a sports fan. Oh, did you, did you like, 
Did you shit on him the whole way home? Like, see, no, I didn't say him. anything, but uh, oh, dude. that's why you got to go. I got to. Can I be honest with you, Dylan? And I, I don't want to steal from your memory. First of all, before I say my my story, how was it to watch that? Like in that atmosphere, like because I know in MetLife, this the scoreboards are on the sides, right? The video boards, yeah, they're in the four corners. And if you were high, you probably so you're like, are you watching it mostly on the on the screen? I'm, I mean, you can see it. Right. Uh, the way MetLife is, I know we went for WrestleMania years. Yeah, ago, yeah, right? yeah, yeah, yeah. You haven't been back since. Right? I haven't been to MetLife since then, no. Uh, so uh, did we sit in the top row? I don't remember. No, we were on the lower bowl for WrestleMania. We were yeah. uh, we were pushed right. back a little bit, but we were in the lower bowl for sure. We we're near the uh, entrance ramp. Okay, so all the way up top, the mm-hmm. seats are very crammed together, mm-hmm. yeah. but they're angled in a way where you're kind of like looking down, and it's kind of you get a good view. Force perspective, leaning towards the, the, the yeah. what you're looking at. Gotcha. Yeah. So it's cool. You yeah. can see the puck moving around. Okay. Um, it wasn't that bad. It was. You could see it. I was I'm watching not, it. I'm not a hockey nice. guy, but I dig that whole uh, stadium series. I think that's cool. I think that's awesome. It's like take, making it like, you know, when they were kids out there just, you know, playing on the ice or whatever. So I think it's cool. And I've always liked hockey for the jerseys. I love hockey jerseys. I think they're awesome. Um, I just, I can never get into hockey. I could never do it. I've tried a couple of times. I can't follow the puck. So, so I'm lost. Like if, if the main thing is scoring the puck, I can't follow the puck. I'm out. Like, I just can't do it. So I've tried back when I, I remember years ago when I was a kid, one of the channels tried like a Fox tracker thing where it was, I think it must've been Fox, I guess they, they lit up the the puck with like a little, see like a laser, like a tail, like a mouse tail. <laughs> so so you like could act, yeah, you could see it like, no, on TV only, but you could see the puck. Cause it like, it left a trail. And mm-hmm. I thought that was interesting. I was like, geez, at least I know where the puck is. I don't know. It always seems like the scoring and hockey comes out of nowhere. It does. There, there's no anticipation. It's like baseball. I love because it's 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 situational. It's it's you know top of the ninth, down by a run, man on first, two strikes. You're building anticipation. Football. It's fourth and one on the red zone. You're going to score. Hockey. It's just like you know, yeah, you know, uh, yeah. you know, Phil. I was you know, score, score. It's it's like yeah. everybody's surprised. So I don't know. I mean, listen. I, I, it's just it, to me. It's like soccer. It's like it's just, it's soccer, right? Yeah, yeah, on yeah. Ice, soccer on ice. It is fast. I also just don't understand the fighting aspect of it still. Like at this day and age, like in a professional sport, the fact that we like guys will literally just take off their gloves in the middle of a game and just start punching each other in the face. And the, official, and the officials just step back and go, but okay, we'll, we'll let you fight for a couple minutes. I'm like, yeah, what are we doing here? I don't, I don't know. It, it, it's, it's, it's fun. That's nah, it, a good I, part of the game. I, I don't get it. I don't understand it. And baseball is charging a, the mound. That's but that's different because that's spontaneous. These guys literally, I've seen hockey fights where they'll start fighting before the puck drops because they had a problem last time they played each other or exactly. something like that. That doesn't make any fucking sense to me. Like if that's you just why got they fought, they fought yeah. because there was a there was a news article where it was like the Rangers and the Islanders haven't fought in five years. All right, I don't I don't want to get on a tangent because the the hockey fans will start giving me shit. So go Rangers. That's all I'll say. Uh, anyway, it is what it is. Listen, we usually do mail questions, uh, mailbag questions. Oh, I was going to get you my story. So my sports story that's similar to that, leaving early, is I'm at the point of my life right now where I don't like taking people to games with me anymore because I want to do what I want to do in a game. I, I don't want. I, I don't want to be bothered with you needing to go get fucking chicken tenders, or you have to go to the bathroom, or we're gonna have to stay late, or there's a rain delay. Guess what? If it's raining, we're getting wet. 
and we're staying. We're watching the game. So I'm go, I go by myself to a lot of events now. Like I went to this Yankee practice by myself. My son's older. Um, he's, he came to my house about a week before, and he's like, hey, I'm all in on the Yankees this year. Whenever you're doing something, let me know. <laughs> I'm like, all right, cool, no problem. So I, I call him like a week later. I'm like, hey, I'm going up to Tampa to the Yankees practice. You 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 down? Yeah, I'm down. Wake me up tomorrow. And I call him the next day. I'm like, I'm leaving at like 6 a.m. Uh, he's like, it's just a practice? <laughs> and I'm like, yeah, it's a practice. He's like, no, nah, I'm good. So I'm okay with that. You know what I mean? Because I drove two and a half hours from my house in South Florida to sit in an empty stadium with literally maybe 50 to 100 people. And just watch guys take BP and watch bat live batting practice, which and I got to see Stanton, Judge, Soto, uh, and Verdugo take live BP. Um, it, it's awesome, man. You get there, you get to just sit wherever you want. The concession stands are open, a few of them. Get yourself a pretzel or a hot dog and a soda and just sit there on a beautiful day and watch these guys. And it's there's so few people there, you can listen to them talk. So I'm listening to Boone discuss, you know, batting stances and stuff like that. And then with social media, the way it is, um, Brian Hoke or some one of these other beat reporters, they tweet out the schedule for the day. So before I get there, I get, you know, hey, Judge Soto and Stanton taking BP on field one at this time. Field two, going to backfield, it's Volpe and it's Rizzo. I, I get up because I, of course, paid attention to social media. I haul ass out to the second field, and it's literally just me. DJ Volpe, um, it was a triple-A coach, Shelly Duncan, if you remember him, ex-Yankee. Yeah, so there's Liddy, us five, on a baseball field, and they're taking live BP. And I'm just sitting back there looking really awkward because a foul ball gets hit. Now, if you haven't been to Yankees uh, spring training, it's the main field, George Steinbrenner field, and then they have two fields off-centered, like practice fields. They have a half infield to the left, and then to the right, they have another full field. That's where the other BP was taking place. So you have to actually leave the stadium and you walk like you're leaving and then you go. And I'm literally leaning on the cage like at a high school and a foul ball gets hit right back to the cage at my face. And Volpe, because there's nobody else out there, walks over, picks up the ball, picks it up and goes, hey, what's up, man? Hey, I'm, I'm cool. I feel awkward like I'm like I'm like I'm like I'm like in a bedroom watching a sex act or something like I shouldn't be there. I would actually almost feel more comfortable if more fans were there at that point because it was very awkward. I'm just sitting there like watching filming like I should be there and I have no business being there. But it's a great experience if Yankee fans ever want to do it. I know I talk about it every year, but um you know, listen to Volpe talk about, you know, what they did last night or Rizzo complaining that uh, uh, he was actually complaining to Shelly Duncan that they were going to make him run later and stuff like that. So all that all that kind of stuff is really cool. Run. Yeah, I don't want to run. It's, it's an awesome experience. But my original thought was I went to WrestleMania. I don't know which one this one. It was the second one in Orlando. This was a few years ago. And I brought my son with me. I've been to two in Orlando, believe it or not. Yeah, I, went, to, I, I yeah. went to the one with you. You went to one the early one. This was the next one in yeah, Orlando. Yeah, yeah. Where the this screen... the one with The Rock, right? Uh... Rock and John Cena were The Rock one? No. no. No, that was in Miami. I was at that one also. Oh. That was Miami. Because I saw them in New York as well. Yes, that was in... I've been to five WrestleManias. Orlando, Orlando, Miami, New York, and Dallas. So, yeah, this was the second one in Orlando. This was the night the Hardys returned, surprisingly. Uh... Um, where the stage looked like roller coasters and stuff. But anyway, long story short, I stood that entire WrestleMania. So I went with my son, and our seats were way up top because we always get cheap seats because that's what I can afford, but whatever. But I found like an, a perch, like an overhead bridge, like just a walking area. And if you leaned on that rail, you had a perfect view of the entire ring, the ramp, and everything. And I told, turned to my son, I said, yeah, I'm staying right here. And he's like, what are you talking about? I said, I'm going to stand here for the four hours and watch the show. 
And I stood there the entire time. Now, like he disappeared for a little while to get a drink and and walk away. But I literally stood there for fires and I had a great time. Like I was thrilled to do it. Now, that being said, to go back to our topic, um, that was the night that The Undertaker, quote unquote, retired. That was the night that he left his rings and his boots and his stuff in the ring. Yes. Yeah. I left 10 minutes before that because my son was giving me a break of my balls about getting out of there early. (laughs) So we leave and we're on a bus. There's like a little bus that was taking people back to the parking lot. And somebody (laughs) says on the buses, it's real quiet. I think The Undertaker just retired. And somebody else goes, (laughs) what are you talking about? He goes, he left his boots and stuff in the ring. Now I'm a wrestling mark. So I know what it means when you leave your boots and stuff in the ring. I put my fucking head down. I go, motherfucker, did I just miss? Now, it turns out, obviously, he came back and fought some more. We were at the one in uh, Orlando. That was Ric Flair's quote-unquote last match. Yeah, yeah. He came He's back still and wrestling. fought again. <laughs> He's still <laughs> wrestling. So, I don't know. That was my sports, like, ah, modem, like, moment, don't leave, but... Anyway, yes. So if you're a real fan, get your ass there. You deal with the traffic on the way home. We've all been stuck in Bronx traffic trying to get over to GW or up, you know, if you live where me and Dylan live, going upstate. You just deal with it. You deal with it. You deal with the traffic. That's what it is. You're stuck in that parking lot trying not to buy a a bootleg hat or T-shirt from somebody in the parking garage. You know what my favorite thing is now? Yeah. There's the Spanish people that always sell food, like fresh fruit or churros. That's yes. great. That Fuck great. yeah. Fuck if yeah. If I'm in traffic and they're walking yeah. by, yeah. Yeah. give me Fuck a churro. Yeah. Smart businessman. All right, we're running out of time here. So three minutes left. Let me just say, um, if you guys do want to reach the show, we'll get back next show with uh, the mailbag questions. And again, keep in mind, guys, we'll we'll do definitely do one more show before the season starts. But I would say maybe twice a month we drop something. Um Dylan on most of them, Dylan not on some of them. It is what it is. But we'll see what happens. Oh, yeah, yes. But uh, mailbag questions, uh, all the social media, Rich Corey Yanks, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook. But if you have any questions, richcoreyanks at gmail.com. Send in your questions. We'll go back to the mailbag in the up and ins next week. Baseball season is here. All is right with the universe. The Yankees are healthy. The Yankees are mashing home runs. <clears throat> Excuse me. So um, 2024 is underway, Dylan. Are you excited? I'm going to be 24 <laughs> years old. Jesus Christ. Where did the time go? I remember doing playing Little League when he was a kid. And now, he's 20, Rodriguez shirt. now he's 24 and he's starting a, a real career. Crazy. I'm getting old. And I'm wearing, you'll never see the video, guys, because I, I don't Little know if I'm glasses. Put it on YouTube. I'm wearing like reading glasses. Terrible. <laughs> anyway, all right, Yankee fans, thank you for checking out the show. We do appreciate you. Um, we appreciate you always. Your support is really cool. It's really fun for me to look and see all the different countries and all the different people that actually listen to the show and enjoy it. So um, we do it because you guys seem to enjoy it, and we enjoy bullshitting about the Yankees. So that being said, welcome back. Season 5, Rich Corey Yanks Podcast with Rich and Dill. We'll see you next time. Go Yanks. Right here in the center, we have wireless mics. Aaron, just off the top, did everybody expect the report today as expected, and is everyone healthy? Uh, yes, we have a few announcements health-wise. Um, everyone's here. Loizaga actually gets in today. He had a canceled flight yesterday, so he'll be here. Uh, I think he gets in this evening. And uh, he's in line to throw his pen tomorrow. So all good there. But, yeah, so far so good. Um, obviously, a lot of those guys have been in for, for quite some time now. And, um, you know, really encouraged by 
you know, where everyone's at right now. Well, look, I, I think like a lot of teams think right now, we feel like we have a chance to be really good, but we certainly understand we're at February. Um, I think one of the things I'm most pleased with is, um, you know, you talk about the winter and the off season for guys, and that's where the initial foundation is laid. And uh, I do feel like a lot of people um, and, and some people that are maybe coming off of injury situations or difficult seasons, guys you kind of looked at and felt like, man, let's have a really great off season. I feel like that initial box has been checked for a lot of guys. There's still a couple guys to get in here that we haven't seen, but for the most part, we've seen a ton of a ton of traffic over at Himes for really the better part of the entire winter. And, and to varying degrees, guys have been there a couple months all the way to, you know, trickling in in the last couple of weeks. So um, I'm excited about where guys are as we, we get ready to, to lift off here. Brian in the center. Yeah, um, Scott Efros, um, obviously, you know, missing last year with Tommy John. He had he had a back back surgery in December, early December. Um, something that creeped up on him kind of in the fall that he kind of tried to work through as he was finishing off his Tommy John rehab. Um, so he had that procedure, so that set that back a little bit. He's he's begun his throwing program, I think, last week. Um, but, you know, it's a little convoluted because you're finishing off Tommy John, and now you throw the back into the mix. So um, it'll be a, you know, slow ramp up, but he'll, he probably won't be available to us till the summer. Is that it? Um, uh, Jose Trevino. Um, has a had a calf strain a couple weeks ago in his training um so he's probably a, probably won't be available in the first couple weeks of games in spring um but he's doing well he's already he's already running he's doing his full catching drills and and responding really well so he'll just be a little slowed uh, right behind you brian bruce aaron what has to go right in your mind to contend for a championship um, well, I, look, I think anytime you're a championship level team and hopefully in the end we're holding that trophy, that's, that's what we're here to try and accomplish. Um, you know, I think a lot of things have to go right, you know, um, start with health, you know, you're gonna, in, in any season, you're going to have your health challenges here and there, but hopefully for the most part, you know, especially a lot of your core guys um, can go to the post regularly. I mean, that's an important factor. Um, you know, obviously going through with what we went through last year as a club, nobody wants that ever again. And that it really left obviously a sour taste. And, you know, it's like sand getting kicked in your face, you know. Um, and I do feel like we have a group that um, is always really focused and diligent on, on preparing and getting ready to go out and have a great season. But I do think there's another level of edge and focus to not wanting that to have happen again. And, and we have a lot of guys with pride in there that, again, <clears throat> I feel like that first box has been checked by a lot of guys that are um, eager to put last year behind us.
Andy and then uh, Brendan. Um, right now, I would say I'm really, I think we have a chance to be a great offense. Again, that's all it is right now is a chance. Um, last year was a struggle for us offensively, you know, for, for different reasons. Obviously, you know, we had some significant guys go down. You take out key pieces. But then that doesn't always, you know, derail you and the road for you. You know, I, I go back to 2019 where we were ravaged with injuries and everyone just kind of kept on stepping up and the reinforcements were there. I do feel like we're better positioned and better equipped to deal with a guy going down here or a guy going down there. I do like our depth right now. I do like our balance right now. Um, and I, and I, my expectation is that we are an elite offense again. That's, that's what I expect. I think it's a re reasonable expectation with what we have. But again, we got to go show you. We'll just go down the row. Go ahead, Brendan. There seem to be a influx of players at times in January, mid-January. Did you get the impression that's guys looking to put last year behind? Do you think they got here earlier because of Yeah, I think there's a lot of different reasons. I think, I think... I, I think one of the big re one of the things that you can start with is is Aaron, you know, living here in the winter, and he started to help create and foster that culture. Um, you know, we're fortunate in that Himes, we've got a great facility that's, you know, we can cater to a lot of different things for guys, so guys understand that they can go in there and get everything they need, um, and they're in in Florida in the winter. You know, it's like it's. So I think over the last couple of years, I've seen that needle move for us where more and more guys are starting to be here. And I do feel like now that culture's really started to happen. And I think it's a little bit different for every, everybody. You know, some guys are rehabbing and needed to be down here. Some guys are, um, you know, again, that sour taste in their mouth of, hey, making sure I'm doing everything possible in my off season to get myself ready to go out there and be the player and the team we expect to be and so um it makes me happy that guys are so invested in one another but it's also i think a testament to to this organization um and the resources that we have that um make it a place that guys can get really great preparation work in uh in the winter time and do you feel like your starting rotation depth is enough friend <clears throat> we'll see um, I am I'm really excited about the names that a lot of people don't know about yet that are now part of that depth you know obviously we made a big trade for Juan Soto Alex Verdugo bringing those guys in Trent Grisham and you know that tapped into some of that depth that you're asking about um, <clears throat> I do like whether it's non-roster people that we've brought in um, whether it's young prospects pushing up, you know, Warrens and Hamptons and the Luis Hill now back from injury. Um, I do feel like um, considering what we lost in some trades this year, um, I think we're in a much better depth position than maybe I even expected. But you know that depth's going to be challenged. Um, and, you know, we'll find out. Gary and Chris, go ahead.
You guys made a lot of changes to the roster this offseason. Mm-hmm. You also talked about at the beginning of the offseason changes that might come with the organization process-wise, uh, operations-wise. Is there anything that's going to change or has already changed? Yeah, I think there's been subtle changes. I think, look, I think the one thing that organizationally we went through last year is you don't want to have that feeling. You don't want to have that feeling of of missing out on the playoffs, of having a year that is certainly not up to the standard of this organization. Um, so with that, um, you know, and, and frankly, hopefully we have these conversations coming off of a championship season where you're constantly, there's an obsession with constantly getting better all the time. Um, the meetings were pointed and, and hopefully they lead to um, better in, in every little area, um, better in, in how we communicate. Work with a lot of really talented and smart people that have an obsession with, with getting to the top of the mountain. And, um, you know, that's what we're, that's what we're here to do. Nothing, yeah, nothing that, I mean, there are specific things, but not worth me saying here right now. I mean, the proof is going to be in the pudding. Like, I can sit here and, you know, coming off of what we've come off the last year, talk about things. We got to go out and show you, and we got to go out and prove it. Um, And um, I'm excited for that challenge. Chris? There's obviously pressure and expectations for the Yankees every single year, but coming off of last year, does it feel any differently to you? I mean, it's it's different, and unfortunately, we were home the entire October, and that's, um, I would say, the only difference I would say is there is that sense and that feeling of a lot of talented people um, of having that sand kicked in your face. Like, you don't want that to happen again. So there is probably an added edge that's gone into preparation from from the top on down to all the players. Um, but it's major league sports. It's competitive. Like, I, I'd walk in here same every year as far as my focus and obsession with trying to get to the top of the mountain that's what we're working to do so whether we had won won it all last year or had a season that we had um from my standpoint that doesn't change it's like we're trying to lay a foundation right now to put ourselves in a cha- position to be great and then uh, john carlos numbers over the past year and a half obviously speak for themselves what Um, look, I, I think a lot of just where he's at physically will put him in a good spot. He still has all the fast twitch, power, strength um, that he's had throughout his entire career. So hopefully he's in a better, you know, physical situation and healthier, and and then everything will line up from there. I have not seen Big G yet. I've, I've talked to him a bunch and, and am confident that – He's he's had the kind of winner he's needed to have to put last season behind him and put himself in a great position to go out there and succeed. But again, that'll be the proof will be in the pudding there too. 
All the way to the left, Pete. Harry, with the Trevino, are you anticipating that he'd be able to start the season on time? Jose? Yeah. yeah. And assuming the health of your catchers, how do you see that position going into the season? Do you think, is Trevino the starter going in? Do you think Wells could you know, get into a platoon situation at some point? How do you think? Yeah. Um, first of all, Austin Wells is also an, another one of those guys that has spent the bulk of the winter here. Um, so excited about his progress, you know, really because I didn't get to see him in spring training because he had the oblique. So he had a slow start to the year. Um, he was delayed. So we didn't even get to see him in spring. I think the, the progress he's made as a catcher defensively, um, has been more than I expected. And, um, you know, obviously getting to him to get a taste last year, I think, went really well from that standpoint. I think he's continued to make really good strides this winter to put himself in a position to compete for that. And um, I'm confident over time he's really going to hit, too. Um, so we'll see how it plays out. You know, he's, he's certainly put himself in a good position to earn, th earn some things. Um, but we also feel very good about our catching depth, too. You know, that's one of the things I think around the league that's, that's a challenge for a lot of teams is catching depth. And I do feel like right now the group of catchers we've assembled, we feel really good about. Um, you know, so there'll be, there'll be a lot of, you know, competition and, and guys pushing one another um, because we do feel like we have some really good options. But... I'm excited where Austin Wells is. Michael K. Aaron, is there a player or maybe two players that you say this season kind of hinges on them either having a better year than last year, that they would be the key to success this season? I, I think when you talk about guys that are coming off injury, I think it's, it's having a handful of those things pop. Um, and again, I think we're at a point in the process of we're at phase one of this where it's how is the off season what kind of foundation have you laid for yourself i do feel like the guys that have really needed that again have had the winners they've had i haven't seen everyone yet but i'm comfortable with that um you know one guy that i look to is dj lemayhew um dj looks really really good and i'm really excited where he's at physically and and i think whatever struggles he's had at different times over the last couple of years have been just that they've been physical in nature and um i think he's in as good a place as he's been in the last couple of years and uh i think a healthy productive dj you know from a offensive and position player standpoint puts us in a really good spot obviously we've got to have some bounce back from from starters that had different injuries last year um you know between carlos and nestor um Loisiga, who is such a dynamic reliever in this game as we've all seen when he's been healthy um not having him healthy that's a big missing piece considering what a weapon he is when he's healthy um you know those are a couple that come to mind Brian and then Eric. You talked about sketching out potential lineups, especially after the Soto deal. Do you have an ideal batting order right now? Um, no, that'll, it'll play it out. Um, I mean, in my mind, I guess I do kind of have an order, like if everyone's going and healthy, 
the biggest thing I want to make sure we solve is that leadoff spot. You know, if we can put ourselves in a good spot there, you know, with some, then some combination of Aaron and, and Juan hitting back-to-back -back, um, sets us up pretty well. Because if we can solve that leadoff spot, and look, I, I mean, I want it to be DJ, and hopefully it is, but certainly would Alex Verdugo up there is a possibility. I feel like if that leadoff spot gets settled, um, then we have a chance to be a really special offense because I do feel like the middle of the lineup then around Aaron and Juan has a chance to be deep and special. Two weeks ago, Judge suggested that it would be uh, LeMayhew, then Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I, you know, it's certainly one of the ways I pencil it out, but again, we're we're in you know the middle of February right now, so we got a long way to go before that. Eric to the right. Aaron, realistically, how many open roster spots do you have in the spring ahead are actually up for grabs? Yeah, I mean, hopefully not a lot, you know, because that means we're we're largely healthy. So, um, but there's certainly people vying and competing for meaningful bullpen roles, possibly filling out a rotation, the inevitable, you know, Knicks you're going to have maybe even in spring training that open up a lane for somebody. And then hopefully you always get those hand, you know, one or two or three surprises in a spring and in the course of the season that turn into significant contributors for you. Um, I feel like there's a lot of candidates for that. Um, again, I do feel like we're in a better position to withstand the inevitable injuries and nicks that come up. Um, and that's when the, those greatest opportunities present themselves for, for somebody to grab. And when we look at your roster, what's missing? Well, we'll see. I mean, uh, if the way everyone looks right now and and if they perform the way we believe they're capable of, then I think we have a very complete roster. Um, and then you've always got to have some people step up and um, when, when that time calls. But, again, we'll see. Randy to the left. I think it's one of those motivators, one of those carrots, you know. Um, you know, you know, time is precious for a major league athlete, right? You know, even the guys that are going to make a career out of this 10, 15, some might even luck into playing 20 years in this game, they're still going to be a non-player a lot longer. So I think, you know, one of the messages to the guys is you don't, don't squander that time. Don't squander this opportunity that you have as, as an elite athlete. Take every advantage of it. And I think, you know, I think any time a guy is in a, you know, free agent or a walk year, I think that's an, one of those additional carrots that exist hopefully 
for a guy to make sure, man, I got to do everything possible to put myself in a position to, to be the best I can possibly be. So, yeah, I, I think it can be a motivator. I think sometimes it can be a pressure, too, that probably goes the other way. It's, it's how you handle it. But hopefully it is another one of those things that hopefully drives you in the right way to be, you know, uber prepared for what's ahead. I think we got a ton of talent that and and guys that will play meaningful roles in our bullpen that you know maybe aren't on our roster yet or aren't even on the radar yet. Um, I'm excited about the talent that we have in this organization from whether it's um, minor league free agents that we've brought in, guys with big league times that aren't necessarily on the roster. I do feel like we have a deep group to 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 compete and battle for meaningful roles, um, coupled with, again, despite some of the moves we've had to make this winter that have depleted some of that organizational depth, I do feel like some of the guys that are knocking on the door are really, really talented and have a chance to play meaningful roles for us. Bill, second row. Aaron, do you expect Brazil to be a full go right away, or is there any plan to sort of ease him back? No. Um, he's, he's, Riz is doing great. Um, looks great. He's been here a couple weeks now, too. He's over there as we speak, probably taking live at bats off of Stroman and Nestor and, and Rodon all throwing today. Um, you know, I think physically, Riz was probably ready at the end of the season last year. So it's enabled to him to really have, um, a normal, um, winner as far as preparing uh, for the upcoming season. So I don't anticipate any um, any any holdups with that. Um, you know, he's already pushing to get into games very early, so I would expect that to be the case. And again, look, I mean, obviously when we're talking about the head, you, now we got to go see it at the highest level, but I'm really encouraged where he's at, and, and I think he is too. Uh, Chris and Gary, and then Bruce. Uh, you spoke about wanting to solve the leadoff spot uh, because Soto has the highest on-base percentage since, you know, mm -hmm. to the league. Would you yeah. consider him a candidate? Not right now. Um, and again, like, you know, Juan's not even here yet, so I, those are things that I want to talk to him about, and um, you know, we'll kind of work through as we go. I don't necessarily anticipate that. Um, hopefully, um, Again, I'm, I'm very optimistic about our offense. Juan, one of the big reasons why, but I don't necessarily anticipate that, but we'll see how it plays out, too. And then um, some guys at the end of the season spoke about how analytical information is being fed to them. Some expressed confusion over certain numbers that were, were, what, that were being fed. Mm -hmm. Do you anticipate any changes being made with how that Yeah, hopefully we're better at where there isn't that confusion. Um, I do think we do things here at a very high level and um, and have tremendous resources and information, 
but being better at making sure we're streamlining those in the right ways. And again, I think that's everyone's different, right? Um, you know, some guys can absorb a ton and it's a game changer for them in, in their careers. Some guys, you know, it's get the heck out of the way and let them do their thing, you know, and it's, you know, really on all of us to, you know, understand what is the best way to get through to individual players. Um, so that's always something that we're trying to tweak and get better at and, and more efficient in how we communicate with one another. Here. You mentioned LeMayu a couple times this offseason. Is there anything that's stood out to you or anything he's done different that's been impressive to you? Um, I think his foundation just in his legs and how he's moving is different than it's been in a while. Um, and again, it's a credit to him and he's he's worked his tail off this winter being here. I mean, being part of the running program, like he's running well, you watch him, he's just more explosive to me in the batting cage. Um, in, and it's, to me, it's very noticeable. And, you know, I felt like he started to address some things in the in the second half of last season and, and put together a stronger second half. But to me, he's even in a way better physical position than he was then and and, and at any time probably in the last couple of years. Gotcha. And then unrelated, Luke Trevino was spotted here earlier with the yeah. team right now. So Lou's here. Um, um, kind of let it play out. You know, he's he's going through some physical things, and, and we'll see. I don't, I don't have anything for you yet. He's under contract. He's not under contract, but we are considering th certain things. Yeah. Gary, if you could just pass it back to Brute. If you can pass it. Thanks, guys. Aaron, as you start spring training, what's your overall message to the fans? Um, we're hell-bent on being a champion. Um, and, you know, we understand very well that last year was not anything anyone in this organization wants or demands or expects. Um, and I would say we have poured into that from ownership to the front office, to the coaches and staff, all the way to the players that I do feel like we have prepared properly. We are ready to roll, but again, we got to show you it. I can, I'm gonna I'm gonna talk to you guys every single day, and anything I say now, next next week, next month, into the season, we got to go prove it. So I think we have a chance to be a really special team. That's all it is right now. We got to go show the world that we're as good as we think we can be. Okay, Aaron, thanks. Uh, for tomorrow, before we let everybody go, we'll send something out uh, this evening on Clubhouse Times. As a reminder, uh, Aaron and Cash will be available in the 3 o'clock hour here in the pavilion. Garrett Cole will be available.
Tune in tonight at 10.30 after Nets coverage for our final edition of Yankees Hot Stove with pitchers and catchers reporting to Tampa and the rest of the team not too far behind. We'll start to shift our focus to the upcoming season and the Bobbers' pursuit of that elusive 28th World Series championship. Then on February 25th, Yes brings you the Yankees' first spring training game from Steinbrenner Field. And we'll get you every home game after that as well. Meredith. Aaron, when you look at the Yankees offense coming into spring training this year with some of the additions, just what type of potential do you think it has? Incredible potential. You know, it's just we're excited about quite a few guys that we added. Uh, you know, we could start at the top, you know, with Juan Soto and the diversity he brings to our lineup, you know, being there at the top, you know, top three in the lineup. You know, he's going to get on base. He's going to drive the ball over the ballpark. He's a left-handed bat right in the middle, you know, which we've which we've needed for a while now. And then, you know, you add Grissom. You know, he's another guy, left-handed bat, you know, great outfielder, you know, puts the ball in play. You got Perdugo, who's, you know, done quite a bit of damage against us over the years, and now we get a chance to have him on our side. You know, it's just going to it's gonna give us a lot of different options we haven't had over the past couple of years. And, you know, just excited about getting to know these guys a little bit and just seeing how they work and um, just going out to work with them and, you know, pushing towards the championship. You mentioned Soto and understanding it's just the first day of full workouts, but what stood out to you about him so far and the way he kind of conducts himself? He's a hard worker. You know, I, I saw that from the very beginning. You know, we're here early. You know, we're all getting here at, you know, 7, 7.30, and this guy's, you know, he's working in the cage. He's got, you know, quite a, quite a few different drills that he likes to do that makes him feel right, and, you know, he's disciplined with it. You know, he does the same drills. You know, he's got everything kind of mapped out, what he wants to do in the cage, and, you know, he's just, he's focused and has a plan, you know, and that's, was pretty excited. I was out shagging BP when he was when he was hitting, so I really didn't get a chance to kind of be up close and watch him during BP. But you know, a couple of the balls that he hit out to uh, to left center, or you know, how a right-handed guy hits it. So it was pretty pretty exciting to see so far, and you know, just looking forward to seeing some more some more out of him. Uh, Bruce and Gary and Chris, we could just go down the line. Aaron, how obsessed are you with winning a title? That's that's why we're here. That's why I get up every single day. That's why I put in the work, not only you know at the field, but in the off season. It's to bring a championship home back to, back to the city, back to this team. Um, that's, I think that's why we're all here. You know, it's 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 been quite a long time since we've you know got to that finish line. But I think a lot of the guys, the pieces that we've added, you know, into this room, you know, especially a couple of changes we made with coaches, guys we brought in. I think it's all gonna you know push us towards the right direction, which is, you know, ultimately being the last team standing. Aaron, at the end of last season, you had some comments on the team's analytics usage and how they're communicated. Is there anything you expect to change moving forward? You know, there's, there's already been quite a few changes, you know, some that, you know, have been noticeable with either coaching, staff, you know, stuff like that but then there's other things you know different philosophies or like you said communication that will go unseen to a lot but it's it's going to impact a lot of people um you know from from the top down so uh, i'm excited about a lot of the changes and you know especially some of the ones you know that are obvious you know with some of the guys that we brought back for for hitting coaches um you know pat rossler you know we got casey dykes bags who is another great you know guy that's been in the organization for years and keeping them up there has been great and then adding a guy like james rousen back who you know, understands the game, understands, you know, what it takes to play at the major league level. And I think he's going to be, you know, all three of those guys are going to be, 
you know, big force for especially the younger guys that we got coming up and a lot of the veteran guys we got. You had said the team might be paying attention to some of the wrong numbers. What were those numbers, and is the team paying more attention to that now? Yeah, like I said, they're, they're, I think a lot of it will go unnoticed, but I think we had a lot of great talks in the offseason, you know, getting a chance to talk with Hal, you know, getting a chance to talk with Cash a lot. You know, I think, you know, the time he spent with, with me and myself and Garrett and kind of all of us kind of just talking about different things that we value and um, kind of them explaining what they value, I think it was able to kind of come to a clear answer. But, you know, I've always always been a guy about, you know, you win games by driving people in. You got to score runs. And, you know, RBIs and runs have always mattered to me. That's, you know, one thing that you know, I try to take pride in. And, you know, it may not be something you can you can measure, but, you know, driving a guy in is a skill. So I've always liked having guys that could drive people in. And, you know, when you go out and you go get a Juan Soto, you go get a Verdugo, you get guys that put the ball in play and can drive guys in, I think that makes a statement about, you know, how they believe in things and what they want to do. So I'm, you know, pretty excited about some of the things that happen. Chris. Before the team traded for Soto, was he someone you were hoping the team tried acquiring in the offseason? Yeah, definitely. You know, he's <laughs> the greatest hitter out there. And, uh, you know, getting a chance to add him, you know, it's it just changes the dynamic of this team. You know, like I said, you know, it's been so long. We've always been pretty right-handed dominant, which, you know, works out at Yankee Stadium sometimes when those righties, you know, you get a little jammed, you can still hit a homer to right. But, you know, I think just giving the pitchers a different look, you know, especially the guy like Soto has such a great eye, hits the ball over the park, um, hits with power, contact. He's got everything you're looking for. And then you can just kind of plug that guy in the two, three hole, you know, leadoff. You can put him anywhere you want. Um, you know, it's, it's pretty exciting. Even a guy like Verdugo, you know, I've been, you know, preaching for years. We got to try to get that guy. You know, I just like, he's a gamer. You know, he's a competitor. He plays hard. Um, I've seen him play through injuries. I've known, you know, he was a little banged up even last year. I think he had a couple things going on, but every single time we played him, he was out there. He was hustling. He was doing his thing. So, you know, getting all those guys, I was, you know, pretty excited about all of them. And then the other day, um, Boone told us that you've been pe pestering him to bat third. Um, why is that spot in the order something that's important to you? For me, it was really about just trying to find the best way to have the best lineup. You know, I feel like if we can get a couple more guys on base in front of me, a couple speedsters in front of me, um, I feel like that's going to help us produce more runs. You know, if, especially like DJ, if you got a guy like DJ leading off, he's going to get on base, put the ball in play, work the count. You know, I always thought if you could have a little speedster in front of me, he could either, you know, bun him over, move the guy over, get the guy in scoring position, then me of the three hole can, can drive somebody in. But it might be a little old school thinking on my part because that's, you know, some of the guys I've watched, you know, growing up, you know, the best hitters are hitting third and the run producers are three and four. But um, I don't know. I don't know why it means so much to me. I just wanted to find a way to, you know, help the team any way I can. If that's me hitting third, it's me hitting third. So, Brendan and then Tina. After a little bit of volatility in the hitting coach job last year, what makes James Rosen the right guy? You know, the hitting coaches we've had, you know, my whole career here have been great. You know, um, we go back to AC, Alan Cockrell, you know, Marcus Thames, um, Dylan, who we had, Casey, all the guys we've had, they've been great, you know, all in their unique ways. You know, they always brought something a little different, you know, to the table. And, you know, somebody like James Rousen, man, he's just, for me, he's, 
he gets the side of the analytics and the swing mechanics, biomechanics of your swing, but he also understands, you know, game planning and, you know, being in the box. Like, what's it, what's it mean to stay in the box? And when you're really facing 98 with some sink and a nasty slider, like, the numbers may say to, like, do <laughs> sit on this certain pitch or do this, but he understands how hard that is and communicates that. And, you know, I think he's, he challenges guys. You know, he challenges me every single day. And, you know, we go back and forth on things, which is great. And, and I love it. And I think he's just going to elevate, you know, this team and elevate everybody in that lineup to, to go out there and do their best. So, you know, that's, that's what I've always loved about him was just his energy, his, his passion for the game, and he just gets the most out of his players. Tina in the middle. Hi, Aaron. With how much you want to win a World Series, you come here to spring training, and there's the expectations again. So how do you, how do you personally put the past in the past and truly feel fresh and truly have that belief in yourself and the team again this year to finally reach that goal? You know, I think it goes back to the end of last season. You know, you kind of take a little bit of time. You know, the season ended a little earlier than we wanted to. Um, you take a little time away, but then you go back and just, for me, I just reflect. I write, write down notes. I review games. I look at past games, past series, you know, how teams attack me, this and that. And I kind of just try to get it all out on paper, out, <laughs> kind of out of my head. And then for me, it's, you know, I reflect on that, look over it, and just formulate a game plan for the next season. How can I improve? What can I do better as a teammate, you know, as a leader, um, as a player, whatever I got to do. And, you know, for me, that just kind of drives me to move on to the next year is, okay, I got all these things I got to work on. I can't be focused on, you know, the couple mistakes I made, you know, back there or how the season ended, things didn't go our way. I can't sit here and dwell on that. You know, it still eats at me. It still still bites at me, but we got to keep moving forward and, you know, just kind of setting those goals and just having those goals as a daily reminder is kind of what pushes me to forget about that and move forward. Go to the right, Bob, and then Eric. Hey, Aaron. Do you feel uh, a greater urgency about what you were just talking about? Just following up on Tina's question, do you feel a greater urgency this year because Soto's only here for one year and your manager doesn't have a contract after this year. So does it feel like it has to happen this time around? Bob, I would say I feel like it's, you know, every year we always have something like this. We always have a situation where we just traded for a guy or we traded for a guy last season. Now this is his last year with us or, you know, stuff with the manager, you know, different players. But when you play in New York, it's it's every year, you know, it, the expectation is to win a, win a championship. It doesn't matter who's here, who's not here, who's going to be here. It's just about, you know, putting in the work and doing what we can to, you know, put this team back on top. And, you know, like I said earlier, a lot of the changes we've made throughout the off season. You know, literally, I feel like it started in November. November, guys were making changes. We're having phone calls. We're having conversations, meetings. And just to see that, you know, commitment from the organization and, you know, the commitment to want to hear from the players, hear from other people, the good, the bad, it's, 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 it's been exciting. So, you know, this is, this is the year, but um, we just got to get out there and play. Aaron. Aaron, there's a large group of guys really starting in early January at the minor league complex. Did you get a sense was there a vibe there that there's extra motivation provided by how last season went the 82 and 80 definitely I think a lot of guys were embarrassed a lot of guys <laughs> didn't have the season they wanted you know kind of a kind of a wake-up call and I think just collectively as a group we all kind of looked at each other and said this this can't happen again you know we had a lot of talks about a lot of us getting down here early and trying to put the work in and 
Um, you know, I think as a team, when we're all down here working together and grinding, this is a chance where we can we can share ideas, we can talk about different things. Like, hey, I'm, when I'm going good, think this is what's happening. Or I'm going bad, this is happening. And so then it allows us throughout the season, you know, to kind of check each other. Like, hey, man, when you're, you know, if we see somebody going in a slump or even the pitchers, a lot of the pitchers have been down here, Rodon, Nestor, have been putting a lot of work. You know, I've seen them, you know, throwing all, <laughs> throwing all off season. So now just hearing how they work and how they talk, you know, I can even mention something that, hey, man, when you're really on your backside, you know, you're a better pitcher. Or, when you try to think about this, so um, I think just having this group down here, you know, just seeing the work that they've put in, I think it just shows that you know, this is a dedicated group, a gr group that, you know, wants to go out there and right the ship. Uh, Dave and then Ron. So, Aaron, in the lineup that you envisioned with you hitting third, you didn't have Soto in front of you in the way in the other two spots you described. Was it, have you thought about that, how you guys would work together as far as being in the, in the lineup based on your, your skill sets? Man, when you got a guy like Soto, I'd love to hit behind him. You know, if he hits two, you know, or even if, you know, I'm hitting second, he's hitting third, and he's driving me in. You know, I'll take, <laughs> I'll take either of those, either of those outcomes because that means we're scoring runs. So, you know, however Booney's going to come up with with the lineup, you know, I know he puts a lot of thought into that, and you know, he asks a lot of us too as players, like how we feel about certain things. I know he he knows that matters to us. So, um, yeah. <laughs> I'm happy. I'll be happy anywhere Soto hits. As long as he's in the lineup every day, I'm going to be happy. I was going to say, a lot of people looking at you two and just saying that this is the best one-two punch in the, in the sport. I mean, what does it feel to have that capability, to have two guys like that together? No, it, it's exciting. You know, like I said, he's a generational talent. You know, what he brings to the game in that box. You know, he's got such a great demeanor, the swagger, um, you know, just the focus. He's prepared every single, like every single pitch he's prepared. And, you know, some of those takes he has, I feel like he's so prepared, he almost is reading what the pitcher's going to throw, and, like, he's taking it right out of the hand. Like, you're going to throw a change up here, and uh, it's just impressive. But, you know, you go up and down the whole lineup, you know, there's <laughs> there's not a weak spot there. You can go up and down it, and even a guy like Verdugo, who's led off for Boston for quite a few years, even if you wanted to slate him, if it's not lead off, you know, 7-8, you know, 6-7-8 down there, that's a guy that's going to, you know, put the ball in play, you know, show some pop as well. It's... Um, it's just going to be an impressive lineup, and I think we're just really going to feed off each other pretty well. Ron. Does the toe feel completely back to normal at this point? Is there any maintenance you have to do and during the offseason? Did it just heal by itself without any anything? Yeah, it's just going to be, a, I think, a constant maintenance, I think, the rest of my career. It's just something, you know, anything with injuries like that, um, you just got to stay on top of it so it doesn't doesn't flare up again or something doesn't happen again so we're feeling good right now we're out there we're moving we're grooving so um let's we're gonna try to keep it that way is the maintenance hot and cold or anything else uh they got they got so many new gadgets back there they're they're keeping it right <laughs> over left brian and randy uh what was your reaction when you saw stanton show up and what do you think that new look is going to do for him this season oh he looks great he looks great he's all the, the guy's always been in shape you know i don't <laughs> People want to talk about weight or overweight, this and that. Like he, this guy's always in shape. You guys see him every single day. The guy, he prepares. He's working out every single day. And you know, for him to come in the way he did, and you know, make some of the changes that he's made, that's just a tip of the cat to him. Like that guy's a true professional. He's he didn't like how things have gone the past couple seasons. He wanted to make a make a change, and he did. You know, so I'm excited to see see what happens. And you know, I know he's going to have another monster year.
Randy. Last year at this time, someone asked you if you think you had another 60 homer season in. You said you never know. Now that Soto's here, uh, can he help you have your best season? Clearly, his uh, skills of, of walking uh, are elite. I think last year you said that you wanted to cut down your uh, help you, or hurt your uh, contact rate, I guess. To help. But, but uh, were you the type of guy that will pick other great players' mind? I know that a lot of young players come to you. Will you try to get into his head and see what makes him tick? Oh, big time, big time. We even talked about that when I was talking to him in the offseason after after we traded for him. You know, I was already kind of telling him, like, man, hey, uh, <laughs> get ready. When we get in the cage together, man, I'm going to have uh, quite a few questions for you just about approach, you know, how you attack certain pitchers, you know, how do you attack this pitch? Uh, what do you do in these certain situations? What are you looking for? Just kind of, you know, when you got a talent like that, you know, you can't, you can't miss on an opportunity to, to ask them and kind of pick their brain a little bit. Just like when we got Stanton, you know, I picked his brain quite a bit. I still do to this day, even pitchers when we got Cole, you know, going into uh, 2020, I was picking his brain about how do you attack these certain hitters? Like, what would you do in this situation? Like, things like that. So, you know, Juan's just going to be another guy that I'm going to try to pick his brain, just like Verdugo. You know, Trent Grissom, we were already in the outfield kind of discussing a couple things about his, his pre-step and his approach. So I'm, I'm looking forward to it. I'm looking forward to it. Yeah, we'll see. I think my best season will be when we're holding up that trophy. So <laughs> take a few more, Disha. Hey, Aaron, you obviously went through a walk year while playing for this organization. Just what did you appreciate about how your teammates handled that year for you? And will you do any convincing or what you liked about that season for Soto as he approaches free agency? You know, I think the biggest thing is just, just being there for him, you know, just being a good teammate, supporting him. And, uh, you know, know there's going to be quite a lot of pressure. There's going to be a lot of expectations. And, you know, just understanding that, hey, you don't have to do it all by yourself. I think that's the biggest thing that I got from my teammate was all my teammates were – you don't have to go out there and, you know, carry the team every single night. You know, you just go out there and you play the game. You do what you do. You know, your numbers and all that's going to take care of itself. So, you know, that's what I'm going to try to do for a lot of guys. We've got quite a few guys who are going to be free agents. I'm just going to, you know, hey, you know, it may not be your night tonight, but we got you. We're going to pick you up. You know, you show up tomorrow and, and do your thing. Or, um, you know, I think just having that comfort that, you know, even if they go up there and strike out or don't get the job done, you got eight other guys behind you that are going to help you out. So I think just having that type of confidence you know, coming from your teammates is the biggest thing. And will you do any convincing on your end of, like, here's why you can like New York long-term type of thing? Yeah, but I think the fans, when we show up uh, April 5th, will do a lot of convincing, too. So I think we'll be good. Uh, Andy and Greg. Your ideal old-school lineup from before had a speedster at one or two. How, how uh, close do you think Volpe is to being a guy? He's obviously got that speed and could create some havoc at the top of the lineup. So how mm -hmm. close do you think he is to being uh, a guy who gets ba gets on base enough to bat at the top? Of yeah, no, he's he's right there. You know, a lot of the changes I've seen this uh, this offseason kind of coming in the camp, you know, I'm excited about it. You know, just the way his bat path is working, you know, how he's using the whole field. But, you know, we, we got a good guy with DJ. You know, it's kind of our leadoff guy for now. And, you know, I'm, I'm feeling a big year out of DJ again. You know, just the work he's put in, just the focus, the laser focus he always has. He kind of feel like he picked it up a notch, you know, coming into camp even this year, which I'm which I'm excited about. But, you know, for Volpe, man, just the biggest thing with him is just go out there and play. Go out there and play, man. You've got one year under your belt. You finally got a taste of the league. And 
know, we'd always, when we're, we'd go over pitchers, you know, last year, and I could go over and be, I could review 30 different clips of where I faced this guy. Well, we're facing a guy that he's never seen before. He never had a chance to go back and review how he attacked him, this and that. So I think this second year is just going to be a big year where he finally gets to face some familiar faces, see guys that he's already seen before, and really kind of fine-tune his plan. And then, you know, down the road, you know, I think he's going to be a great, you know, top-of-the-lineup guy for us. Greg and Nelson, then we'll let Aaron go. Aaron, there's still a couple of top free agents on the market, unsigned, especially pitchers. Is, is there any part of you hoping that you guys still have a, another move in you? I hope so. They're always working. You know, that's the thing that's amazing about being here with the Yankees is, you know, they're always trying to improve. They're always trying to make moves, you know, if it's via trade, if it's via free agency, you know. So I definitely feel like there might be another move, you know, on the way, but... You know, you never, you never know. We'll see. Nelson. You've always led by example in your style of play. You became the captain last year, and I think you see your style of play in that freak accident of trying to make sure that you get to every ball led to you being out, and the offense kind of fell apart. Is there a gear that you can go down to, you think, to keep yourself in the lineup as much as possible? Well, I keep getting hurt in right field, so that's why I think they moved me to center field, so I don't, I don't get hurt over there. But, um, you know, I think it's just, yeah, there's definitely a gear. I think it's just about playing smarter, you know, understanding the field, understanding the dimensions. You know, in that case, I just, I thought I had one extra step, and I didn't in that situation. So, you know, that, that just always goes back on me. You know, I got to be a little smarter there. So, you know, just, just like this year, you know, just got to play smart, but. You know, I don't think there'll be any cement bottoms of walls in center field, hopefully. So I think we'll be good. Juan, new team, new opportunity. Can you just describe your excitement to get going here with the Yankees? Uh, it's really exciting. Uh, it's really nice to be here and uh, share locker rooms with those guys. It's just incredible. Uh, amazing organization. Um, how far it's going has just been great. It's been a great feeling, a uh, great start for me. I think we're in a good spot right now. What do you think the offense is capable of this year? <laughs> it's going to be fun. It's going to be really fun. Um, I mean, we have a great lineup. I think it's going to be unbelievable from the top to the bottom. It's going to be great players right there. Um, and I think we're going to try our best to have fun as much as we can with it. Who else? Right here in the front. Brendan, if you could pass it over to Alfred. Well, I'm Brendan Cuddy from The Athletic. Thank you for taking the time. Where are you going to hit in the lineup? <laughs> Uh, we don't know yet. Uh, I talked with Booney um, about it and everything. You know, um, he's trying to figure out the lineup and see how it's going to be. Uh, he's going to let me know. But definitely, any spot I'm going to be, I think it's going to be fun. Uh, as the lineup that we have, it's just a big and deep lineup that we have. So any any part of the lineup that I hit, I, I'm going to be fine with it. And do you look at this as a trial run to see if you might like it here in New York with the Yankees long term? Yeah, I mean, we, we gotta, we got to get to know the Yankees organization and the city and how it is to play in, in New York and to see then and make the decision then. Alfred. Juan Alfred Álvarez aquí con la base llena. Conociendo la popularidad que tienen los Yankees en la República Dominicana, ¿cuántos Yanquistas hay en la familia de Juan Soto y, y quién se puso más contento cuando este momento llegó? <laughs> Ahora mismo toditos somos yanquitas, tú sabes. Eh, eh, hasta el momento, gracias a Dios, mi familia siempre me ha apoyado donde quiera que he estado. Eh, no estuve con los nacionales, estuve con San Diego. 
eh, han ido cambiando de equipo conmigo. So, ahora mismo todos somos yanquistas, gracias a Dios eh, estamos aquí, estamos en Nueva York. Eh, tremenda experiencia hasta ahora lo que he tenido. Eh, en la República Dominicana, bastante yanquista que allá y me siento contento con el apoyo que me han dado. O sea, no he empezado la temporada y ya me siento parte de ellos y, y es increíble en realidad. Oh, go right down the road, Bruce and Chris, Ron. Juan, what kind of one-two punch can you and Aaron Judge be? I mean, it can be a really fun one. Eh? I mean, uh, and whatever we had, uh, it's, it's gonna be it's gonna be fun. Uh, we know we both know the strike zone pretty well. I think um, it's gonna it's gonna be or two walks or it's gonna be two gappers, <laughs> but it's gonna be fun. I think it's gonna be great. Um, definitely. If I'm hitting in front of him, I'm going to try to be as much as I can on the bases so he can do his job and he can drop the hammer to the ball. Can you learn from each other? Yeah, definitely. I mean, he's just, he's just a power guy. He's been doing this thing for a long time. I can pick it up a couple of things. And even from Yankee Stadium, pick it up what he thinks, where, where the ball is going to carry more and, and, and where we can uh, see where we can hit the ball better and take our advantage, you know, and I definitely can help him out with anything that he needs. I, I don't think he needs much, but anything that he wants to know, I, I can help him out with. I, I, I'll be there for him. Chris. Uh, Chris Kirshner with The Athletic. Uh, have have there been any conversations about a possible extension this offseason, or are you letting Boris handle that? I let Scott do his thing. Um, we've been talking throughout this offseason and everything. But definitely I let Scott do whatever he's doing. For me, I'm just focusing on 24. Uh, I'm here to play baseball. Um, I'm focusing on playing this year and try to win as much as we can and, and bring a championship to New York. And then when you look in that clubhouse, do you feel like there's enough talent in there to possibly win it all this year? I mean, you tell me. <laughs> you tell me. You, if you see the lineup, you see the, our bullpen, the starters, everything. Like we, we, need, we have everything that we need. And, And uh, besides the, 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 the talent, the organization we are, it's just amazing. It's incredible. And we're more than excited to start this season. Ron, same, same row, Juan. Ron Blum from AP. From what you've seen in a few hours, how is the spring training routine and clubhouse here different from what you had in Washington and San Diego? And how has the communication from the Yankees been since the trade about preparation different from what you experienced in the past? I think the communication has been 1A. Uh, actually, the, the manager, Aaron Boone, he's been, he's been right there every time since I got traded. He was on point every time. He was doing his job. He was uh, keeping me updated about everything that he's been thinking. He just uh, the communication has been unbelievable. Uh, as we've seen, it's the first day. Uh, we haven't get to follow the schedule or anything, but it's been it's been really cool. It's been really nice so far. Go back to the right, Andy, and then if you can pass it behind you, Andy. Juan, having not ever seen you play every day in the outfield, how do you rate yourself as an outfielder? What are your, some of your strengths as a fielder, and are there any things that you want to continue to improve on? Um, like I say, every year I, I want to keep improving in every spot, but definitely uh, my strength has got to be definitely coming into the ball and and uh, try to grab those uh, bloopers and everything from the from the from the other side. Uh, That's my th my strength right now. Where I try to help my pitchers, to any blues or anything like that. I try to help them as much as I can, cutting those balls off. Uh, 
but definitely I, I, I want to improve on every spot in my arm, like throwing and going to the gaps and everything. And definitely getting to know a little bit of the Yankee Stadium is going to be a little bit challenging with the wall right there. But at the same time, it's going to be fun because uh, it's just another, another step, another challenge for me. And if you could pass it behind you, Gary and Greg. Hi, Juan. Gary Phillips with the New York Daily News. Everyone talks about your elite ability to control the strike zone. How did you develop that skill, and how do you maintain it and work on it now? Uh, I work on it every day. Um, uh, I always keep working. Even when I'm in my best, I try to keep working on it. And that's what it takes me all the way where I'm at. Uh, everything started in the minor leagues. I try to do everything since my teamwork all the way to my routine and, and then all the way to the game. I try to uh, transfer all that. I try to swing strikes even when they flip me the ball from the side. If it's not a good ball, I, I just let it go by. You know, I just try to train myself like that. And I think it's been helping me the most to, to know the strikes on well and, and do, do what I do. Are you a guy who typically studies what an umpire's particular zone is before a game? Is that part of your planning? I definitely don't. <laughs> I don't I don't study umpires at all. Uh, I really ha like to have a good conversation with them, you know, and keep it in touch with them and see what is their strikes on it, what is their, their strength that day. But I don't I don't think I follow any of that. Uh, I mostly, yes, I've study the pitcher, the pitcher I'm facing that day and see what he likes and what he don't like. But uh, besides that, the umpires, I just, I just talk to them and make them feel comfortable, you know? Thanks. Greg, right, right next to you. Well, knowing this could just be one year here, does that up the pressure for you going into the season? I mean, uh, we, I've been dealing with this. I mean, uh, I was in San Diego too. He just they were the same thing they were talking about. It's just only one year and everything. Uh, but it was the same thing. I think uh, you put the pressure on yourself. And at the end of the day, I just I just tried to throw that away and go out there and play baseball. I uh, just tried to show what I have and try my best. And if it happens, happens. If it don't, we just got to keep grinding and keep learning from it. Uh, Brian and Tina. Juan, what are your what are your thoughts on playing in New York City this year and in front of the Yankees fan base? Uh, my thoughts is gonna be it's gonna be electric. It's gonna be fun. Uh, it's a lot of Latin community over there, so it's gonna be really, really, really exciting. It's gonna feel like home, uh, and I'm more than happy to be there. I mean, it's gonna be it's gonna be electric. Tina. Hi, Tina Cervasio from Fox Five New York. Juan. Growing up in the Dominican, even before you made your debut as a teenager, when you heard New York Yankees, what did you think of of the organization and that hearing that? Uh, about New York Yankees, I just think in a great team, you know, uh, how good they were and and how many championships they win. When when I hear that name, it just definitely I just think uh, mostly in my favorite player that plays here for a long time. That was uh, Robinson Cano. And that was a guy who I follow since I was a little kid and a guy I want to be like. Uh, but definitely, yeah, it, that was the name. When the Yankees sounds like that was the name that comes up to my mind. All the way to the right now, Juan. Eric. One of the handful of games that you've played in Yankee Stadium, you've had a decent degree of success. How much are you looking forward to playing 81 games there? You just keep doing the same thing. Uh, Try to keep doing the same thing. Try to play good baseball. Uh, definitely don't 
don't go crazy with the short portion right feel. Uh, I try to keep it quiet and smooth and just keep doing the same thing I've been doing since day one. Just try to hit the ball to whatever it is and whatever spot and try to do my best. And do you know Cano at all? Have you come across him, talked yeah. to him over the years? I met him a couple times and I even get to I even get to play with him in uh, WBC, and it was, it's just amazing. I mean, the skills he has, and he's just incredible. And I think he, he's a better person in that side. He's just a mentor for me. He's just been taking care of, telling me stuff, uh, and helping me out with my career, too. It's just incredible what he's been doing for me. Back to the left, Randy, and then Disha. Juan, you mentioned that you're impressed with the talent on this roster. Uh, how do you compare it to the roster from your World Series team? And also, this team in the Judge era has got to the ALCS three times but have not gone over the hump. Your team did in 19. What do you think a key is for a team with a great roster to get over the hump in the playoffs? Uh, just play team baseball. Uh, that's that's all it matters. Uh, try to grab that that good vibe, uh, trusting each other's and play good baseball. The end of the day, we gotta we gotta put our egos uh, away and we gotta play as a team and try to do the little things uh, when it matters. You know, uh, that's that's what it takes you to the next level. The homers, the the doubles, the big hits, is, they gonna come, but you gotta you gotta you gotta do the little things first to get to that spot. And how does this team roster compare to that team in your mind? <laughs> I mean, I mean, talents wise, is 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 I mean, it's pretty close. But I think uh, we have a, a really good roster right here because uh, they're both rosters. One has really, really good uh, veteran players that they know what they have to do and they they know what they want. Here we have a lot of talent and a lot of young players. You know, we have veteran players too. Uh, but definitely one or the other, they go from the hand. I mean, it's, it's very close to what we have over there. Tisha. Hi, Juan. You mentioned Cano has helped you out in your career. Has you, have you talked to him since you've been traded specifically about playing for the Yankees, if he's given you advice about that? Uh, I haven't get the chance to talk to him, but definitely he congratulated me and tell me uh, how good it is over here. Uh, but I didn't get the, the chance to talk about the, the organization and how it's going to be playing over there. But anything that he's been telling me, just since day one, he's just been right there for me. And then what do you envision your biggest challenge being this year as you transition to a new team? Could you repeat the question? Sorry. What do you envision being your biggest challenge this year as you transition to a new team? Uh, for me, I think... <laughs> it's gonna be I mean it just uh just control the emotions, you know, like I say. Uh just control the emotions and play playing in front of that home crowd is that's gonna be one of the, the one of the biggest challenge, you know, because it's gonna it's gonna feel like home. It's gonna be feel it's gonna feel great, but it's gonna be a lot of pressure too. Nate, right in the front row. Hi Juan. Um <clears throat> going from the National League to the American League for the first time, just you know, what kind of challenges does that present and how excited are you for this opportunity? Uh, I think it's going to be nice. Uh, I've been talking with a couple guys uh, was different and they just told me it's kind of the same team. It's just at the end of the day, it's baseball. Just, you just got to go out there and do your stuff. And I think that's what it matters. At the beginning, it was kind of like a little bumpy, but then I just, I just realized it and think, hey, 
it's gonna be we're gonna play the same game. It's gonna be nine innings. It's gonna it's gonna be 27 outs, and who's gonna be uh, the winner at the end of the day? But I just try to go out there, forget about all the American League, the National Leagues, and uh, just go out there and play baseball. We'll take one or two more. Dave, to the left. Hey, Juan, as much as you try to treat this season as just baseball and, and not in a part of your longer career, you're, in, you're playing for the highest profile team at the biggest juncture of your career because you're entering a free agent year. Is that something that's hard to not think about? Or how do you kind of a, approach that? Just these two forces that you'll be dealing uh, with this year? I mean, I just trust on what I have uh, and what I've been doing since day one. Uh, to, uh, about the free agent stuff and everything, I just let Scott doing his stuff. Uh, I have a lot of a lot of trust on him and what he's gonna do about. Uh, I think that's that's one of the biggest things that I have that I trust him so much that I just forget about that and I just come here to play baseball. I just thinking when I came here, I just think I have another chance to to compete, to go for the playoffs and try to win another championship. Uh, and that's 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 what I thought since I got traded. Juan, appreciate the time. Thank yeah. you. Okay, everyone. See you later. All right, nobody's gone out there. Why is he calling for a curveball? I want to bring heat. Shake him off. Throw it you in. God damn it. Time out. Hey! Why are you shaking me off? Huh? I want to bring the heater to announce my presence with authority. To announce your what? To announce my presence with authority. To announce your fucking presence with authority? This guy's a first ball fastball hitter. He's looking for heat. Oh, yeah? So what? He ain't seen my heat. All right, me. Give me your heat. Why is he always calling me me? I'm the guy driving a Porsche. Come on, Duke. Slow down. Slow down, boy. Slow down. Take your time. Son of a bitch. Look at that. He hit the fucking bull. Gotta get some free steak. <laughs> you having fun yet? Oh, yeah. I'm having a blast. Thanks. Good. God, sucker teed off in that like he knew I was gonna throw a fastball. He did know. How? I told him. All right, one down. Now. Come on, Nuke, man. Nobody, nobody, nobody. Chuck Arkin, Chuck Arkin, you got me. Don't think, just throw. Don't think. Just drop. Just get 